Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And what do you know, it's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 50 on Sunday, the 27th of June, 2021. As always, I'm joined by the official P3 nominated and approved Xbox Hall of Famer and number one challenger to the mantle of the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinny K. Costello. Hello, and I feel absolutely awesome. (laughs) Everyone is awesome. And the game-loving, grind-hating, pretend-to-quit coffee-drinking, continue-to-drink-coffee, gamer, anti-gamer, and very much interrupter-in-chief, Mike. Sup, yo. (laughs) In this week's show, we'll be discussing the big Kojima and Blue Box Studios conspiracy that is taking the internet by storm, Uh, my review of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, and... On the back of wrapping up Game of Summer of the Year 2011, we are deciding the next year, the other some other year. Oh, God. <laughs> for the game of some other year. But it's going to be in the 90s. So you have to tune to the end of the show for that. As always, if you want to hit us up on socials, it's Bigwig Pod. And Swinney, we're going to be doing another live stream. Yes, yes, because they're good fun. Yeah, we're going to do be doing the... Like, I this is my I seamless, know, seamless uh, hand. No, I didn't you. know you were expecting me to explain what it was. I didn't expect that. All right, so we're doing the Sakurai... We're doing the Sakurai presentation for Smash Brothers Ultimate of Kazuya Mishima on the Monday the 28th uh, of June. Um, at what time for us? Well, actually, it's the 29th for us, isn't it? It's uh, midnight for us. Well, yeah, so. so I'll run through it. So it's 7 a.m. PDT, uh, 10 a.m. EDT. British summertime or standard time, 3 p.m. And then for us, it's midnight that day. So, but we'll log in on that Monday, really. We'll start at least five minutes before. So we'll stream it on YouTube, but I'll try to get it on Twitch and Facebook as well. I'm tweaking our settings so that we might be able to simulcast across the internet. That'd be nice fun. Uh, Quick bit of community news, actually. I don't know if you know about this, Mike, but you know how we were covering Playday a few times? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the guys who, uh, Greg uh, Melitech, he actually commented on one of our videos and addressed Swinney's question. Yes. Does the Playdate have an alarm clock functionality with the stereo dock? And it doesn't. And what's the answer? It doesn't. It doesn't. But he said they they might build it if people are interested. Yeah. So, yes, we are very much interested. I mean, I know he's not going to probably see this or hear this. I never know. Yes, but we want one. They're a very cool company. I like the way that they run their business. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, if they ever do, I, I hope to God they have some kind of Easter egg about Swinney. In the alarm yeah. clock functionality. Swinny, swinny alarm. <laughs> I am trying to learn 3D modeling, but I think the idea that I would love to see is that you have the the uh, the the play day on the dock and then you use the crank to set the alarm. So you actually go... Yeah, and then you set it. How sick would that be? It would be really... It would be annoying, but really sick. Yes. Yeah. Actually, no, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe it'd be kind of, yeah, it'd be fun. Dude, you have, I, I'm a huge believer. If you have the crank, you've got to crank everything. Cool. you got to keep cranking crank at it. it. you got to crank it, totally. <laughs> and uh, there's a correction, Sweeney? Yeah, so last week we are talking about the, well, we are talking about Final Fantasy Pixel remasters, and I mentioned, oh, imagine what, uh, imagine what Doom Train is going to look like in uh, Final Fantasy VI, and uh, shameful. Oh. Final Fantasy VI, the infamous boss that you can suplex, the train, the evil train boss, is actually called the Phantom Train, not Doom Train. Doom Train was the Final Fantasy VIII Guardian Force Summon. Cool. Thanks for that bit of information, there. On, on that segment, you know, it's not important. Ness- it's important. It's not necessarily a correction, but it's probably more like more color because we were speaking about the Chrono Trigger Steam release and how bad it was. 
It was terrible at launch. They did improve it after the launch. And there's an ability to go back to the original graphics in Chrono Trigger on Steam. They did, but our point still stands. Yeah. Like, that was a mess when it launched, yeah. you know? Yeah, And then it's like, why are they doing it like that? Why can't they have it on consoles? And I think, like, I game on PC, but I still don't understand why you wouldn't have it on a console that is specifically designed to play games and people would buy it. Yeah. Um, so this week, Swinny, what have you been... What has your week in gaming been? So my week in gaming has been primarily just... Uh, just one game, which is Borderlands 3, which I'll get to in a second. Um, the other, I did try out some of the Game Makers Toolkit Game Jam 2011 games, which we'll be talking a bit about later. Cool. Um, but nice. yeah, with, with Borderlands 3, I, that's a game I started last week, but I was only in the initial uh, like couple of areas. So now I've actually, I'm well into the game. We're probably, I reckon, about 70% of the way through. Um, so I feel like I can, you know, give my just general thoughts so far about how it's how it is obviously i haven't got to end game or anything which is very important in the borderlands stuff and i know they've done a lot of work there for this one uh, over what even you know borderlands 2 and things like that but honestly with borderlands 3 i wasn't didn't know what to expect because from borderlands 1 to borderlands 2 there was a lot of improvements but the gameplay still felt very much on the same level and that's probably the biggest change of Borderlands 3 is that the, they really did overhaul the gameplay. And oh, so? Please explain. So it's, well, I, I was about to. Um, so the gunplay feels very different. It feels way better than it, it did before, which is obviously great. Um, it just feels it a felt lot. pretty good before, right? Yeah. Everything I love just, 1 and 2. Everything just feels really snappy. Just, just, I don't know, there's something about it just feels like they put a lot of effort into just making sure that it feels like I, I love the way as you, as you said I love the way the Borderlands 2 and pre-sequel and even Borderlands 1 felt but this just feels like they kind of optimized it more for like modern sensibilities with the way that it, it plays mm-hmm. but my favorite thing about it's actually the movement mechanics they added um, and some of it's it's completely like superfluous but it just still it's just really cool. Um, one of them being the sliding mechanic. So like some games these days, if you press crouch while you're in the middle of a sprint, you'll do a slide. But it just feels like Borderlands has always been a super stylish game, not to the level of something like a bullet storm, but not too far off. But just even like I, there's an enemy behind cover and I'll run past the cover and slide and then shoot the enemies I'm sliding. <laughs> things like that. Nice. It just feels really, really cool. And they added uh, mantling. Um, to be able to climb up things in this. And it actually, I think it adds a lot more variety to the exploration. So they'll put things that are on top of something. You have to, It's almost like a puzzle. climbing puzzle, yeah, to get up there to figure out, um, you know, how to get up and stuff. It doesn't feel, that's definitely a little rough. And I think that that's an area that they can improve in the next one. But yeah, I think when it comes to the actual, like, a lot of people, you know, Borderlands all about the guns. And I think that's another area that they've really excelled in with this one. And they've added so much variety to the guns. And a lot of them also have secondary fire modes now, which is a first for the series that I can tell of, um, unless they added something pre-sequel that I've forgotten about. But basically, you can swap, you know, from simple things like, okay, you've got 
an assault rifle will be able to swap between like full auto or burst fire or something like that to guns that have complete two different elemental attacks. So you have like a corrosion or an electric attack and you can swap between them using the secondary fire toggle, which is really, really neat. It opens up a lot more options, even um, things like there's guns that, and I played around with this a bit in the past, but there's guns where when you reload, you'll throw it out and it'll explode, and that's always been a <laughs> yeah, that's always that. that's always been a hallmark of yeah. uh, forget the um, um, TDO or something. There's a specific gun maker um, in the game that does that, but in this one, like I got a legendary that when it blew up, it then sent off four little rockets that then chased the enemies to shoot <laughs> the enemies and things awesome. like that. There's like one where you'll go to reload it, throw it out, and it will become a little turret. And it gave me, like, the perfect dark vibes, and it's really, really cool what they've done there. Yeah, because for Inter God's sake, it's not just that they have a billion guns, as, as the trailer showed, which is just, you know, a variation of exactly the same thing. They have some really cool, unique stuff. And yeah. even within a, a, a gun type, for example, I remember I had a shotgun, and the actual pellet spread was a smiley face. <laughs> and it was something in the description but a lot of i mean i'm sure everyone noticed it when they used it but until i actually saw it next to a wall and i'm like what the hell is that and i looked up close i'm like wow and then i just started shooting walls just to see and it was just constant smiley faces everywhere it was well, a cool little thing like that yeah number two you had you could get a gun that shot axes that then exploded when they hit enemies <laughs> um it's just really cool the really stuff good, they've yeah. done my favorite really my favorite still the pre-sequel gun that you can get as part of a quest that um is, is says bogan Aussie sayings as each time you shoot it, <laughs> shoot that's it, cool, it's great. That's cool. <laughs> but um, in terms of some of the stuff that I guess I'm not feeling as much, so the the and this is definitely a, a me thing. So some of the maps I feel are a bit too big. So I'm not talking about the maps where the kind of like the big open areas that you get access to vehicles. It's more the on foot areas that you go into, and they're just they there's just they just take a lot longer to get around and generally speaking there's no way to fast travel within those areas there's only always a fast travel at the beginning of the area so if you want to quit out of the game at any point then it's like well you don't want to because then you're going to have to essentially tread through that whole map again um so i think that i thought borderlands 2 and even pre-sequel were a lot better with kind of keeping that stuff to a bit a bit more confined and smaller like sometimes something you know that's a bit more concise is a better experience and i think that so far some of the maps are a bit too big um this, but, this this is becoming like your cyberpunk 2077 banter <laughs> where it became like a 10 minute review of the game <laughs> oh i really want to talk about this game so we could do a review of we're doing we're doing no nah, no nah, i'm not going to review a game that's like two years old we do a podcast <laughs> and we talk about games into god um so i look i love also how they weave a lot of the older characters into the story um it's been a hallmark of the series now where basically each game will have a new set of vault hunters and then those vault hunters who are kind of very bare bones characters the next game will become fully fleshed part characters as part of the story and it's cool to see that continue on so but the Honestly, I I really want to play more, but I I can't unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? So they added this update, 
like yesterday, this big update that um, adds crossplay to the game, which is great. Oh, yeah, that's know? right. Yeah, adds uh, crossplay not without if, PlayStation, <laughs> without PlayStation, everyone else but PlayStation. Mm. Um, they increase the level cap. They made events repeatable. You know, some stuff that sounds really cool. Mm. Unfortunately, it broke my fucking game, so I can't play it properly. <laughs> What have you broken? What happened? Well, look, it's pl- broke is probably going a little extreme. It's playable, but what happens is every 30 seconds, I'll get like a one second, one to two second hitch, like a, like a lag. That just makes it like unplayable. Like the, this game is a, such an action packed game. Yeah. And, and, and it's has. running, otherwise, it's running, you know, like. Absolute sixty frames a second, hmm. no hitches, and, and then suddenly you'll in the middle of a gunfight, you'll get like this. You'll pause for a second, and then you'll turn around. And you're like, and sometimes it hits you in the middle of a jump, and you're like, oh for fuck's sake! So a lot of people having this issue. It's been an issue with the game in the past that um, has had various fixes, but it seems like the update just introduced this issue for a lot of people. So it's quite annoying. So I didn't plan on it, but. Because of that, I started bloody Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm not going to talk about that. But... <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's go 20-minute review of Mass Effect. Hey, you, are we talking about games? Are we talking about games? <laughs> are we talking about games? Hey, are we talking about a game? Are we so... talking about a pizza? I, I said last week, hey. He's I got get... a 9 a.m. Domino's pizza. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, let's throw Sweeney under the bus. So Sweeney yes. is getting targeted ads to order pizza at 9 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> Which I must clarify, I've never ordered pizza at 9 a.m. They think you will, mate. Uh, <laughs> they think you will. They so, know you better than you know yourself. They're selling $3 just, pizza and it's costing them a dollar to send you their targeted ad. So. And it's funny, I just need to say something that you cut me off from saying is that yes, I gave up my time last week to talk about Borderlands 3 to talk about it this week, so I wanted to take more time to do it. So oh, wait, hey, screw cool, you, we cool. do. Well, hang on. You don't give up your time by just taking it again. You're just doubling your time, you mean. <laughs> No, if you if you go back to last week, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about Borderlands Three. There's not enough time. I'm going to talk about it next week. So I did. So screw you. How's your weekend gaming been, into God? I I've been flat out with work, and also I'm in Sydney, so we're locked down here now. Yeah, so um, you should just have more opportunity to play games. No, now. it's so I don't want to get. Gonna do? I don't want to get too much into it, but my work. There's something wrong with my work laptop, so I can't access my email anymore. Like during work, work hours. Anyway, so what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, right. And now it's like, oh, maybe just work at 7 a.m. And like after 6 p.m., I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to work really well with the family. Um, so I actually might just take leave from work for ah, nice. a, a week or a few days or something like that. Um, Plenty of time to play games. Outside of that, I don't, I've actually been playing through Picross because I just have so many Picross games on my <clears> Switch <throat> and it's a good chill game. And then also Donkey Kong Country uh, Tropical Freeze. I will, like, it's not really something I can talk about now because we will cover it in a couple of weeks' time. I think, like, mid-July we're covering it for the Donkey Kong 40th anniversary and then also that's going to conclude our Donkey Kong Country retrospective. Uh, Very cool game. Really looking forward to talking about just the quirks of the game as well. Outside of that, I've just been really keen to play some games, but I just haven't had the time, unfortunately. How about you, Mike? Metro Exodus. Oh, Metro Exodus. Is that because Stalker that you got back into that game? Uh, I wasn't going to talk much about it, but no, no, no. I actually started playing it before the announcement. That's why I got oh. doubly excited about Stalker. Okay. Yes. What really are you playing good game. on? PC. Okay. So it's fantastic game. Highly recommended. It surprisingly doesn't seem as long as I thought it would be. 
uh, especially with the way it's structured and stuff. And and it, it's good because it's it's without spoiling anything, it's uh, three separate maps that are quite bite-sized chunks, if that makes sense. Like they're open areas, but they're not giant open areas. Mm. So I think to Swinney's point earlier about Borderlands, I think it's just the right amount. Really cool atmosphere, great graphics, interesting story. So yeah. Okay. Do you recommend anything else? That's it? No, that's pretty much it. Oh, and Metro Last Light on the Switch. Just oh, because okay. might as well do the whole Metro thing. So Metro Last Light was the second it in the like series. It sounds like you're saying Metroid half the time. I don't know no, if no, that's no, just no. me. Met- Metro, sorry. No, it's just the way I, I pronounce my, my shitty words being a filthy immigrant. So <laughs> the original Metro uh, 2033 uh, had the sequel, which was Metro Last Light. And then, then they had Metro Exodus. And both the original and Metro Last Light are pretty linear, sort of typical FPS kind of games to to a large extent, whereas Exodus is more open world-ish. But it's not like a full open world. It's just different areas that are Mm. big. Uh, And it's really, if you guys can pick it up, um, I don't know if Nintendo still have a huge sale on at the moment, but usually when they have those giant sales, they have almost every game on special. So that's probably on special too. It's incredible how it looks on a bloody Switch. Yeah, you, you know what game? Because they, they had the DLC. Like the DLC just came out was Doom Eternal. That looks yeah. insane on the Switch. Like it's it, crazy, it is, isn't it? Yeah. How does that run? And then I don't know. You yeah. know, Hyrule it's Warriors hitches. You know, and runs yeah, it like fifteen frames. That's yeah. so bad. Yeah. The effects um, and everything. Just it's, because it's I'm nuts. doing this live, so Metro Last Light Redux is three dollars and sixty nine cents in Australia Grab right now. Grab it. Grab and it. Metro it's... 2033 Redux is twelve dollars and ninety three cents. Ah, so the original is more expensive than the sequel. Huh. Grab oh. the grab the sequel for three dollars. Totally worth it. They're both the lowest price I've ever been on. Wow. Okay. The Switch. So very good timing, Mike. And it, it, actually, if you look at the chart of the discounts, it's just going well down this way. Sorry, I should say. I don't know how much less than three dollars you're going to get that game for, though. Yeah, <laughs> like I think there's always a threshold. I'm a cheap bastard, so there's always like. I would like... say three dollars is by far <laughs> an amazing threshold, even if you only play it for ten minutes just to check out the graphical fidelity That's of that same, game. In particular, they've been discounting them at the exact same amount at the exact same time, but for some reason, this is the first time that one's been heavily discounted over the other. The only thing is, the sale ends in thirteen hours. So by the oh. time that most people <laughs> would have heard this, no it's over. Gonna know. Oh well, sorry, peeps. <laughs> Don't worry. It's uh, it's a thirty-six dollars and ninety-five cents uh for each one. Is it worth that? Uh probably. If... So Dan, it's definitely worth three dollars and sixty-nine cents. Well, I, I just think they're great games as far as first-person yeah. shooters, and surprisingly, ran all right, pretty well on on a Switch. I mean, it's it's you know it's thirty, Fair but enough. it's it's solid, and I was really surprised at how good it looked. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, what, enough of that. Why don't we get into our first bit of news? And we're opening the accounts this week with the Kojima conspiracy or the pa, 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 blue box pa, pa, blue balls. Pa, pa. <laughs> so, okay. What we'll do is, and I, first up, I'll say a huge thanks to the Reddit user. I'm not Paul Paulson. Uh, so he wrote this 4,500 plus word essay of every single sort of little snippet data point. We're obviously not going to cover all of that. And I've also added some of my own in, but it's probably, I guess, you know, want to cover, you know, what's going on with this game abandoned and the speculation around the internet and just more the the hard concrete facts rather than 
some of the rumors or, you know, people sort of saying, oh, what do you think of what this person's saying? And then I think we'll loop back at the end and just kind of say, well, what do we think is going on here? Like, do we actually think it's something or nothing? Um, so straight off from the bat, so Sony on their PlayStation blog announced this indie title called Abandoned. This is back in April this year. Uh, really came from left field. No one had ever heard of this game before. And the director of the game being Hassan Karaman. So someone that we'd never heard of. He's from the Netherlands. We'll go back to Hassan and then we'll quickly get into the Netherlands quite shortly. So if you actually look at the um, the actual trailer, it's kind of like nothing to it, really, from what I remember or see in this trailer. It's it's actually, I, I read a bit extra about it, and it's, it's, it's from my understanding, just... Uh, some basic assets from Unreal Engine. Yeah, and so there are some people who are actually on the Unreal Engine forums. They're private forums. You have to sign an NDA. And this will be later picked up in the Schreier article. Certainly there is someone called Hassan Karaman who's asking questions about Unreal Engine quite a lot over the last three or so months. So yeah, this came out and... I think the big thing is that a lot of people sort of saw this and was like, oh, this is a bit janky, a bit of a asset flip, but kind of also has a bit of a PT, Silent Hills-y kind of vibe to it. So at this stage, you sort of just really had like a lot of speculation on the internet. And then people started to like try to connect dots already at this point, right? So, you know, when you look at Hassan Karaman, you go, oh, it's from the Netherlands. Okay, interesting. You cannot find almost anything about this person. <laughs> All right, like, no one's come out and said, oh, yes, I'm friends with Hassan, <laughs> right? And then people started going, oh, hang on a second. It kind of looks a little bit PT. The person's from the Netherlands. Well, what else is in the Netherlands? Well, you go Guerrilla Games. So Guerrilla Games, the folks who are behind a Horizon Zero Dawn series, well, you know, that game in the Horizon series now and Killzone as well. They're based in the Netherlands. And what's interesting about that is that Kojima is now, you know, sort of in bed with those folk because they provide the technology for Kojima. So you go, "Hmm, okay, there's an interesting little Mm. connection there with the Netherlands. Going on, so far, have we got you, Sweeney? Yeah, yeah. Now... Another, hooked. another thing that people were pointing to, and I have, there's so many other things about Jeff Keighley that you can kind of like point to about this, but he does talk about a lot of random indie games, a lot of games, but it is quite interesting that, you know, him being very close to Hideo Kojima, like besties with him, that when this actual, you know, trailer got teased back in April, like almost instantly he posted a little reply saying, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> and there's all these little things from Jeff just around this game where he's sort of like, oh, you know, that's kind of interesting. And it kind of goes into the next one where it's like, why even people thinking that Hideo Kojima, why would he set up a fake studio, fake person, try to announce a game and then flip it on people and maybe announce a survival horror game? Maybe it doesn't have to be Silent Hill. Well, he's done it before. He's literally yeah. done the exact same thing Punk before. done it before. <laughs> yeah, But so- it was pretty obvious last time. So. Well, last time was a bit different as well because he actually, he had a press event, Kajam, sorry, Konami, I was almost trying to merge the two together, they had a press event as well, so everyone knew it was Metal Gear Solid, but then they had this trailer. And the only reason why I bring Jeff Keighley up again is because Jeff Keighley helped in this scheme and scam 
to actually announce this. And, you know, but in on the joke. So fake. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But you could clearly tell it was a joke. Yeah, and then also, like, Joachim is an anagram of Kojima, which we'll, we'll kind of <laughs> get to a little bit later as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, there, there's a bit of a history there. Then what we have is Blue Box. So Blue Box, I think everyone at that point is kind of aware, like, this is bubbling up since April, getting a little bit of legs, you know, and then it wasn't really until this tweet, you know, a few weeks ago in June, and I remember seeing this tweet, and they're basically saying, oh, look, it's not going to be called abandoned. It's going to be called something else. And then they said first letter S and then last letter L. Now everyone is like, wait, is this Silent Hill? <laughs> like what's going on here? I think this is the point where people just like started going insane. And then you've got the, you know, the blue box conspiracy uh, subreddit just going off and having thousands of members and, you know, you can even see, you know, the amount of likes and everything like this post got. And then they yeah, deleted it. That. They deleted it and mm. issued this apology saying that they have no relation to Konami. You know, it's, we've got nothing to do with Kojima. Mm. This is nothing to do with Silent Hill. So it's almost like, oh, my God, this is this is getting too many legs. This is this is really worrying. And then probably at this point as well, so around sort of mid-June, is when some of the bigger reporters in the industry started to look at this and started to sort of go, well, what's going on here? And some of them getting very convinced as to, you know, it is like a real thing. So one, one fact, let's just say it's a fact, right? Cause this is true. If you take Hideo, so Hideo Kojima's first name and put it into translation, like Google translate, it literally comes up in Turkish as Karaman. Karaman being Hassan Karaman's name, <laughs> which is kind of like an incredible coincidence if it is just really a coincidence. <laughs> and I didn't really even believe this because I know that people can be quite sneaky. So I was like, I'm going to just check this myself. And it's legit. Like a day who translates into Karaman. The other one is that Karaman, and this has been found to have been the case that he's, um, his PSN profile is called Sneaky Warrior. Now, I think this is a stretch, but people go, well, Sneaky Warrior, what is Metal uh, Solid Snake? He's, he's a, he's uses stealth and he's a warrior. He's a sneaky warrior. Okay, that's that's a bit of a stretch. That's a I big think. stretch. That's a big stretch. And there are games on his profile that you can't actually play on PSN. They're sort of like not listed anywhere. Well, he's a developer. Yeah, yeah well, he's a developer. Sense. So, it, there's you know, there's like genuine points there. Okay, he must be a developer. Then... Uh, you know, just a few days after the whole Silent Hills teasing, you know, the S and the L kind of component, he actually, they they came out and said, okay, they're going to have a PS5 trailers app where it's going to show the trailer of the game and more about the game. And people are like very confused by this stage because this is a developer no one's ever heard of. They've never made games. It's a total indie. And then they're going to have an app, which there are no other apps on the PS5. It's mm. games. So it's so odd that they're going to have some special early access thing that no one else can have. Almost as if you do this with someone who is huge, right? Not like some little indie studio. At this point, this is where like just a few days later, Jason Schreier, who went from being like, okay, I'm 100% convinced this is Kojima, to being like, I'm not so sure. He's actually interviewed Hassan Karaman. And, you know, if you go through this article, like ultimately it's kind of like, 
there's more questions at the end of it. Like I think that's what he said, yeah, that it's yeah. left him with more questions than answers now. He believes, and I think everyone believes that this person's a real person, that there's a real studio, but there's so many questions about how do they have so many people working on this game? They can't really prove it's not like a Kojima thing or it's not like Bloober Team or like some other big studio or like some developer that's out there that's making even potentially a Silent Hill you know, reboot, remake, whatever it has to be. Um, but I think everyone's kind of pretty sure that it's actually him. But then also you go on LinkedIn, he's on LinkedIn, and then there were other employees on LinkedIn. But then people started looking at it and were like, oh, wait, these are stock photos of people. Like they're not actual real people. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then now Hassan, so this is only like last week, he's actually posted a video so one was like, you know, hey, I'm a real person. I've got nothing to do with Hideo Kojima. Then on the day that they were going to announce, and look at the time as well. Like this is midnight exactly. This is not even like off by one minute. It's like 100% exactly at midnight that, hey, we can't publish the trailers app. It's going to be delayed until August. Now, like, so that's that's kind of like the bulk of the evidence. These are things that are true, that you can verify. There's lots of speculation and stuff like that. Swinney, Mike, what do, what do we think when we piece uh, all this stuff together? So uh, so, so it, could, it, it could go so many different ways. Uh, on one hand, it could be a legit Hideo kind of crazy little long-running thing he's trying to do and... Karaman is is just a persona. It's it's a hired actor. The could be could be a real game developer, but it could be someone that he's working with. Um, on the other hand, massive coincidence. The guy maybe just wanted to get something out. Started by saying, let's say, the wrong thing, and all of a sudden it blew up. And he's now panicking, thinking, "What the hell am I going to do with with the what what I've created now?" I'm hoping for. A th- that's what I think is probably the case. By the way, I think that there's it, there's no conspiracy here. I think so. You don't think it's anything to do with Kojima? I don't or think Silent it is. Hill. I don't think so. But if I was Kojima, I'd be jumping on this bandwagon, and I'd be like, "All right, let's let's make this a real thing." <laughs> and then now actually getting onto it if he if he's not on it, that'd be funny. So I don't know. My gut feel is it's probably not 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 a not a not a real thing. Yeah, but honestly, I don't know. Like, it's it's one of those really weird ones. I'm not I'm not a huge on conspiracy theories or anything, as you guys know. But I feel like it's it could go either way. Still, it really could. It could be like a really well thought through ploy by Kojima to just m- get hype around this game. Yeah, and to remind people it's still there uh, in 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 a really sneaky, crazy, clever way. Or it could just be one developer that kind of said a little too much down the wrong path, set expectations, people jumped on the bandwagon, all of a sudden it's crazy. So I'm more inclined to think that, but to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. Swinney? Yeah, so look, honestly, this whole thing has reminded me of of something and let me finish what I'm going to say before you before you say anything because it's important for me to say the whole thing. Of course, um, as long as it's not about Borderlands. What? Okay. Um, so this reminded me, this like looking at this Reddit, um, was a blue box conspiracy or whatever, and just like the 
tenuous links and the really coincidental links that people are finding. Some of the ones, some of them are so ridiculous, like people saying, "Oh, the the game was meant to come out or it was cancelled on this date, and they've got twenty seven twenty seven in their name." And it's like yeah, some of this yeah, stuff's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but what it reminded me of was, and I'm definitely going to be careful about what I say here. It was a certain conspiracy that uh, cropped up a few years ago that had, let's just say, had to do with fast food and eventually politics. And I, I actually remember, don't know what he's talking about, but all right. I don't know either. I, I don't. I'm not going to say it because it could okay. potentially be a flagged, flagged word. Um, but okay. basically, oh, is this like a pizza shop? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. In the yeah. early it's fine to say days, pizza shop, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, in the early okay. days, it's like it was just this like car wreck, intriguing car wreck to watch this conspiracy unfold. And then it started getting dangerous and it's like, okay, well then, you know, th- this thing is ridiculous. But in those early days, it really reminded me of this, of people just wanting a mystery to unfold. And it's honestly... The way I've, I go back and forth on this, like early on, I'm like, oh, this is this, this is like this has got to be Kojima. Um, but then, like a lot more of the stuff has come out, and the, the fact that uh, I don't know, like to me, Kojima's done this before, and Kojima generally doesn't like to repeat himself with a lot of what he does. So, yeah. I and to me, this would be repeating himself to a much more. And he made a lot extent. of Metal Gear games. No, but like his approach to those games have always been different, and like the way that he's been sneaky in that stuff has always been different. Mm. So, I I do think what this is is there were some interesting links that people found, and this developer I'm distracted by that gif on the screen. <laughs> um, and this developer has uh, taken advantage of it. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, it's probably got the hopes up of people. Like, there's going to be people disappointed out of this, 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I really hope that, look, this game could be an absolute trash fire of a game if it is a real game by an independent developer, but I hope that people actually give it a chance if it turns out it Kojima isn't behind it. So I'm kind of, I'm currently on the fence, of, the side of the fence of I don't think this is him. Well, so there's there's uh, yeah. on that blue box conspiracy subreddit, there's now like there's multiple teams, but the main ones are Team Fake and Team Real. So you both are on Team Fake. Yeah, I'm on Team Fake. Yeah, look, I'm on Team Fake too. I 100. The game is not just from an indie developer, like one dude with like friends and subcontractors, is what he said. There's something more to this game that's like weird and something going on, and that might be mm. just like there's ten cent money behind it or. He's working with an existing studio that they just can't talk about. There's an NDA, so yeah. Yeah, or there's like some kind of like IP attached to it, but it's not Silent Hill. It's something else, right? And it's maybe like some B-tier one that we don't really care about or know even about. But there is something going on here. Uh, Look, you know, could it be Kojima? The only thing that like really... Because if you go through it all, I think it's so speculative and so like you want to see the, the connections... The one that I did, I remember when I was on Twitter and it came up, that threw me was um, the one where it was like, oh, you take Hideo's name and it literally translates into Karaman. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is like an amazing coincidence. Just given the fact that already at that stage, everyone was like, oh, I reckon Kojima's behind it. And then how? what are the chances that just coincidentally, these two people have 
translated the same name because it means hero in both like, you know, mm. Turkish and then Japanese. And I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of an odd coincidence. The rest of it, I'm, I just think is so speculative. And it'd be cool if it was, but as I said, I think there's something more to it. I just don't think it's Kojima. I don't. Think- I'm looking forward to finding out though over the next few months. And you know what? Like, I think I get where people are coming from. There's some people who are so big on this that this guy's made a terrible error. You know, mm. it's not going to be a Kojima game, and people are going to be so pissed about it. Dude, like, if you make a great game, right? Like, you make Among Us. No one plays it for two years, and then just some random streamer starts playing it, and the game takes off. Like, getting marketing for games is so hard. Getting eyeballs oh, yeah. on your game is so really freaking hard. This, yeah, I, 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 more power to this guy, man. Lean into it. it I, mm. I almost think, yeah, sure, maybe you piss off 20 percent of the people. No one was going to talk about this game. Let's be real. Abandoned. I remember when it came up, Swinney. Do you remember when it came up? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and we were just like, oh, okay, like, mm, yeah, not my thing or whatever, and then that was the end of it. I don't think we'd ever talk about it again, even when it got released. But with well, all this stuff, we've got a whole segment about it, you know. I think the only because there's like tens of horrible games get released on all the platforms. Um, like, like people bring up the Life of Black Tiger on on the you know PS4 or whatever or PS3. I can't remember, but that was another example of like a really bad indie asset flip game that mm. somehow got you know got a trailer on the playstation youtube channel and turned out just to mm. be this absolute train wreck so there's games like this um but and we're not saying that this game is that no but i'm saying but the trailer is very reminiscent of that in terms of okay it's using pre-built assets and it just yeah. looks like a concept uh, rather than a, an actual game but the thing for me with this is that, that i hear some people i've read some comments like oh this this guy is like so bad at PR and marketing. It's like no, it's a complete opposite. I know, I agree. Like these, but I don't know how much clear- of it is intentional. Is the thing no? But the thing is, like people clearly don't understand the uh, the point of of PR. Like yeah, you, need, I know. I know. you need to get yeah. people talking about you. Yeah, you know. I know. So. Yeah, I, dude. So th- it's like the famous what? saying: there is no such thing as bad PR. Mm-hmm. You know, like I kind of get that. Like outside of, I guess these days, doing something that would get you cancelled. As long as this guy's not getting himself cancelled, he's fine. He's fine. And you know what? No one can find an internet presence of him. So maybe he's already five steps ahead of everyone. <laughs> he can't cancel me if there's nothing to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. I think, like, if we're going to have our, uh, well, we are at the end of the year, the big awards, like, as far as, like, marketing stunts or whatever, and hopefully we'll know by then more about this game, it's got to be the contender for, you know, marketing of the Best year. PR. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For like the amount of money that I'm sure is in this game versus the the amount of you know eyeballs that are on it, it's huge. Well, it's a better PR stunt than uh, Sniper Ghost Warriors contracts. This week. <laughs> yeah, we're it's not going to cover that, but yeah, <laughs> that's true. I don't know if you saw about that, Mike, but yeah, I have you not. should check it out. It's quite funny. Okay. All right, well, let's move into our uh, next bit of news. So Windows 11 got a released or sorry announced during the week. It did unfortunately for Microsoft get leaked the week prior, but we do know now a lot more about it. And it's good news for gamers. There's games, games, quite games. yes, yes. There's games. A, quite a funny, games. Quite, quite a funny games, little games, games. clip of Sarah Bond, who games. she's come up pretty much everything, like with Bethesda and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, where yeah, she's just clipped saying games. She's just constantly games. saying games through the whole thing. Uh, games, games. In in terms of like the big ones that I just wanted to call out, and then we'll just get everyone to sort of chime in. Uh, for me, the biggest thing. Thanks, Mike. I'm literally going to have a mute button for you. 
Um, the biggest thing I want to call out is uh, direct storage. In my view, the biggest differentiator between like the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and a PC, and I've said this a few times on the Gangst. show, is the fact that you can actually assume the type of hard drive that you have and then build games that can support that. So one example is, we'll cover that as a review in this episode, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I just feel the way that game seamlessly moves through. I actually don't know if they could do it on a PC outside of saying, you have to have this type of SSD and we're going to benchmark it to make sure it works. So this direct storage, which is directly you know lifted from the series consoles, will actually able, like the in a really quick summary, it's, you know, you can take stuff from the SSD and pump it straight to the GPU rather than feeding it or processing it all through the CPU. Um, so it just means that the sort of ability to use that storage like a console, to me, will then remove the, the only real differentiator that I believe is between the consoles outside of it's a dedicated game machine, obviously, and a PC. So, you know, another win for PC as always. Um, auto HDR, HDR, sorry. Um, so when you've actually used this on the series X on your TV, right? Yeah. So I've used it for, cause it, it can apply to a lot of backwards compatible Xbox one games. And I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's mm. awesome tech. And it can be a bit hit and miss, right? Like some games and some settings, it can be a bit like mm. bl- blowing your eyeballs apart in terms of how bright it can be, depending on I the game and with- everything. Mass Effect, yeah. And it Netflix and Mass Effect are the only two things for some reason I noticed on my specific TV where the red is way overblown that it creates artifacts. Yeah. Yeah. And and I can't, I've, I've played with the settings, couldn't fix it. I think it's just my TV as well. Yeah. And that's interesting because when I was playing Legendary Edition first time last night, I was actually really impressed with the HDR and that. Um, oh, it looks good. But yeah. It's just in my particular case with my TV, yeah. it blows a, one of the colors off. But also, okay. I mean, we've got auto HDR versus just HDR supported. And I believe that, Mass, I could be wrong, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition is actually just HDR That's supported. Proper, proper HDR. I, I think, don't think yeah. it's auto HDR. So. Yeah. And then we have uh, DirectX 12 Ultimate, uh, which nat- natively integrates tools like Ray Tracing 1.0. For games. And then finally, another big one for me, because again, you guys have got Series X, but I... I'm refusing to buy an Xbox this generation because the PC is an Xbox and they're pushing even more into that with Windows 11 uh, with the store and the integrated Game Pass in the store. An Xbox app is going to be on Windows 11 by default and cloud gaming is supposedly going to be just fully integrated into it as well. So it's it's pretty pretty kind of cool and interesting, actually. So was there anything else you wanted to shout out just about um, Windows 11? <laughs> Shut up, shut Sorry. up, Mike. Um, look, no, I, 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 this is this is the way to do it to me rather than like their previous approaches with you know Microsoft Store and going back further to things like games Windows Live and stuff where you're you know obviously the PC is a gaming platform in general and always has been, but in terms of Microsoft's kind of own proprietary approach to stuff. Um, this is the strongest, I think, um, out of the gate that they're doing with this. Mm. Um, I will say a lot of this stuff they have act- they'd actually announced over the last like few months about that this stuff was coming. But yeah. it's nice to see it all packaged together as a key feature that they're touting for Windows 11, which is great. And defaults matter, like how you set things up by default. It's a huge deal. Like mm. most people wouldn't even have the Xbox app, and I didn't for a while, on Windows 10. So the fact that it's just... Yeah. Integrated in, it's 
part of the furniture, I think is going to make a huge difference. And people might look at it and go, oh, wait, you know, I can pay like this small subscription fee per month and get all these games and not have to worry about buying on any other stores. So it's going to be really cool. The one thing just to shout out at the moment, and, you know, there might be more news about this in the future, but they have confirmed that uh, there's only specific CPUs and above that will actually run Windows 11 when it gets to the official version of it. So it's a free upgrade if you have Windows 10, but I think if you're on like a Ryzen 1000 series, it won't run. Yeah. Mike, I think you're muted. I like, I like how Mike what? interrupts all the way through, <laughs> like with really annoying, like little interruptions. And then when I actually ask him, Mike, okay. he'll shake his head no on the I audio was podcast. Muted. I, was or... I was muted because I was taking my jacket off. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. make a noise. I, I was respecting your talk by not oh, trying okay, to make yeah, too much sure, noise. Sure, yeah. Sure. Wait, wait, really? 1000 yeah. series? But they're. Pretty good, pretty good Currently, CPUs even by today's standards, man. You know, you know the Surface Studio 2, right yeah. at this minute, as we speak right now, will not be supported with Windows 11. You will not be able to That's install really, it. I and don't that, understand the why. Like, what it, are they doing that requires so much CPU power? And it doesn't make a lot of sense because some no. people have said it's because of the security posture. So the CPUs, the series and above that they're talking about have, okay. like, secure bootloaders and all this other kind of stuff on it. But if you're an OEM... You can install Windows 11 on unsupported machines, like from the upgrade version perspective. Okay. So it kind of seems a bit weird that they would allow that, but they, you know, why wouldn't you be allowed to upgrade? So I think, Swinney, you've got like yeah. one of the Ryzen's that you wouldn't be able to install Windows 11 at this stage. Yeah, I believe so. I think my Surface Laptop would be able to, the Surface Laptop 4, I think it is. Um, I don't think it can. Remember, so it might be three, but like I'll, I'll just double check it. It's insane what's not supported. No for you. I think that's like a, it's saying it's rides in four, six, eight, or something like that. But anyway, four, six, eight, uh, oh. But whatever. Like, if it can't upgrade, it can't upgrade. I'm not going to stress about it because um, I generally don't use my PC for gaming anyway, well, as a primary gaming platform. Yeah, I think the Surface Studio Two is a big one. Maybe the the one that you're talking about does work. I don't know. It's yeah, just a very yeah. strange thing to me. It's a very kind of anti-consumer where I think Microsoft have been pretty decent with that for the recent past, but I don't know. It seems like very positive for games. You know, I think they really wanted to make sure that that was uh, drilled into everyone's head and it was certainly <laughs> successful in Mike's head. All right, let's move on to the next bit of news. And I think, Swinney, you're going to be big on this one, but Final Fantasy IX, the animated series, is in works. Did you want to cover this, Swinney? Yeah, it's, uh, so we've got basically, honestly, one of the most surprising news stories that in a long time for me, um, nobody would have probably ever expected this. The fact that mm. Final Fantasy nineteen, sorry, nineteen, Final Fantasy nine is being turned into a kids animated series. <laughs> so we're not talking about asking an anime adaptation or a CG movie, you know, like Square's done in the past. An actual kids animated series, um, and this reports come from a kids entertainment trade publication called Kid Screen. Um, and it's also been corroborated by, um, you know, the, I think there's someone on Square, uh, Square Enix's uh, social has, has um, you know, confirmed it as well. But the fact that they've also worked with this uh, studio in the past, Square Enix. So the studio is Cyber Group Studios. They're based in Paris. And, yeah, they're working with Square Enix to develop the series targeted at 8 to 13-year-old children. So Cyber Group will handle the production, distribution, the licensing, and the merchandising. 
mm-hmm. um, and they previously worked with Square on the Mini Ninjas animated series, which I didn't know was a thing. Mini Ninjas is actually a really, really cool game by IO Interactive. Um, but, yeah, they actually also had the CEO of Cyber Group um, basically saying that the goal is to begin production uh, by the end of this year or early next year. This is really, really weird, but honestly... I think could be fantastic. Obviously, it's not targeted to someone like me. It's not targeted at Final Fantasy IX fans. It's targeted to kids. But out of all the Final Fantasy games, this is one the one you do it with. Because while Final Fantasy IX does get have its serious moments, 100%, mm. its storyline and its characters can really, I think, can easily be adapted to be um, to make great, yeah, a great animated series. You got Vivi, of course, um, you know, and I think a lot of people will. That's the kind of character that people will, you know, relate to and emphasize. Especially, you know, you could teach kids really good themes around, you know, feeling like, you know, about, you know, feeling ostracized from society and stuff like that, and you know, being part of a group and you know, having friends and things. I think it's 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 a game that could be used really well for that kind of messaging it could turn out to be an absolute load of crap that is just you know just everyone's like oh that was a thing and that sucked but i think this is really really cool news so but i think it's a bit weird because it's interesting it's very telling that you said this is not for final fantasy 9 fans right Hmm. and it's like why make it then why make why use that ip for something that's not even targeted to people who like that ip well that makes no sense to me (laughs) Because the IP is well aligned to the kind of thing they want to do. They obviously, what would probably would have happened, I have no idea, is yeah. they probably reached out and they, you know, the work was square in the past. Like, oh, we want to, we'd like to make another game. They probably already had the idea to use Final Fantasy IX. Um, but when you look at a lot of what Square does, a lot of their other properties aren't really conducive to a kids show. Sure. Um, and this is a this is a studio that makes nothing but kids shows. So they're obviously wanting to work on a new Square IP or use that existing relationship. It makes sense to me. Um, when I say it's not targeted at Final Fantasy IX fans, obviously there's going to be a bunch of Final Fantasy IX fans that are going to watch this, but it's not. that's not the primary audience. The primary audience is children. So, mm. and, you know, mm. I don't know about you, but most 8 to 13-year-olds probably haven't played Final Fantasy IX. So. <laughs> or don't have a very good way to play it anyway. So, yeah. Okay, exactly. Okay, that's interesting. No, like, I just thought it was very strange that it's not really that big Final Fantasy IX in the... Like, yeah, I understand that you think it's one of the better Final Fantasy games. I haven't played it, but... um, It's my, it's my favourite, but I think it's the fact that it's the most suited is why this is being done. Mm. Yeah, definitely okay. seated. Oh, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next story. Uh, Greedfall, next-gen update and DLC release, Winnie. Yeah, so this, uh, just a warning, this this episode is uh, very Swinny heavy. Swinney, it's really funny because Swinny was like feeling so unwell before the episode. It's like, all right, we're going to, this is going to be a half an hour episode, boys. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like I try to find a good balance but, uh, each week, but Honestly, it's a pretty light news story this week. It's Swinney, a big week. Sw- Swinney is the editor of the show, and there's a lot of Swinney stories, and all my stories got rejected. Oh, so, grateful. Hey. What, uh, what <laughs> stories did I reject? Anyway, uh, so, yeah. Dude, so- I thought you were going to talk about Godfall, and I'm like, why <laughs> You're the heck an are idiot, we talking Mike. about Godfall? That's <laughs> why I made those idiot. comments. 
This makes so much more sense. Okay. So much more sense. All right. So focus this week, Focus Home Interactive have announced that the Greedfall's next-gen upgrade and their new expansion, which is called the Divesp Conspiracy, will actually arrive this week on the 30th of June. And we actually covered this previously. So back in late November, um, they announced that this stuff was going to happen. We didn't know when it was going to happen. So they kind of just said, it's happening this week, so it's cool. Let's talk about it. So if anyone doesn't know, Greedfall is an action RPG by the French RPG studio uh, Spiders and originally came out in September 2019 for PC, PS4, Xbox One and received strong to mixed reviews and so, you know sold pretty decently for um, an independent Euro RPG developer. Um, the Spiders have previously worked on the Technomancer, um, Bound by Flame, Mars Warlogs. Some of those titles people will probably recognize from off, like Technomancer always crops up in your weekly sales and stuff like that. Um, but they're, they're games that are definitely, they're, they're niche RPGs, but Spiders are one of those studios that it's like their ambition shows through everything they do, even if they don't have the capability to achieve all of it. And Greedfall to me is a perfect example of that. It's the most polished product they ever put out. I absolutely love the game, but it's also a game that's not going to be for everyone. But it's great that, yeah, so we're getting a a native uh, upgrade for uh, PS5 and Xbox Series consoles, and the upgrade will be free to anyone that owns the previous versions. So I tried to look up and find confirmation if this still applies to the PS Plus um, if people picked it up off PS Plus, which it was on recently, I think like last month or the month before, mm. and couldn't find confirmation against that. So I, my assumption is it will, but um, until we what know that. Game Pass, sorry. Sorry? What about Game Pass? Isn't it on Game Pass? Yeah, I don't know with Game Pass because you you don't own the you don't mm. own the perpetual license for that game, unlike something like PS Plus. Um, so what what is the upgrade? So from essentially you, the as you'd expect, they have 4K and 60 FPS support, but basically that's probably your like resolution performance mode trade-off that you do for generally every game um and alongside this upgrade you'll also they're releasing a gold edition which will include the new expansion as part of the package so fourth in regards to that expansion this is the part that i'm most excited about because um you know i beat greedfall while you know i might try it out on the next gen i don't have a you know didn't have wouldn't just play it just for that sake but i will play it because of this expansion so it'll take place in an unexplored region of tier 3d which is the you know the island that griefel set on um and it takes place before the ending of the main campaign so um Generally speaking, I'm just trying to think. I think there is a um, a cutoff point, like a point of no return. So hopefully, people have got to save before that. Um, I yeah, I don't think you can exit out when you're in the last area. But yeah, it'll feature new enemies, a new faction, new gear, costumes. So what you'd expect from an expansion. But I'm just excited to play more Greedfall, honestly. Um, and just yeah, before you know, we move on. Just a shout out that anyone that did like Greedfall, that Spiders is working on their currently working on the next game which is called still rising um, we've mentioned it before they they released a bit of a weird trailer around the e3 period that i didn't talk about because I, it was just a bit weird and i didn't think it was a good representation of what they're probably going for but obviously it's an action rpg but it's set in the french revolution like an alternate reality with robots and you play as like an automata or army or something anyway it sounds cool i'm looking forward to seeing a proper trailer so yeah yeah nice nice 
Actually, I want to play this. This looks. I've been meaning to Godfall. play Godfall. Godfall, yeah. I swear to God, I'm a. I'm such an idiot. I mean, you guys know I'm an idiot, but this is like the cherry on top no, of the idiocy focus. that I exhibit. <laughs> uh, that I get that name. I get the two confused name wise. Godfall, Greedfall. It's it's similar. It's my, similar in my head. I, my, I know they're totally different games, but. I've been telling you about Greedfall since the date came I know, out, and that I was know. before Godfall was even. A I know that, that I'm aware about. of that. I'm aware I'm an idiot. So I've I've been meaning to actually play it for quite a while now, and I think this is an awesome opportunity. Hopefully, it's with the Game Pass upgrade, though. We'll see. If it yeah. is, I'll, I'll definitely play it. Even honestly, it's even really the cool. even um, just the like Xbox One version still runs really, really well, and is still a great experience. Anyone that's into like your Bioware style, like Mass Effect RPGs, and likes you know f- weird fantasy action RPGs, is going to like this game. So cool. Yeah, nice. All right, let's move on to the next story. GMTK Game Maker Toolkit Game Jam for 2021 has wrapped up. Mm-hmm. So Game Maker Toolkit. An insanely good channel from Mark Brown. Basically, you know, if you're keen on making games or you're just like us, very enthusiastic about games, it's almost like a must watch every episode that he has. He's always got a very interesting take on uh, whatever topic he's covering and started his Game Jam series back in 2017. And I think it's like, you know, game devs just love his channel and just want to participate. And it's grown to now be the biggest game jam in the world, like online, in, you know, in any facet. So with over 5,800 games up from last year's 5,400. And also I believe it was last year's one. It actually took down itch.io, the platform mm. that hosts <laughs> the games. Uh, so they've, you know, they work very closely with him now to make sure that, you know, everything's going to work. Now, Swinney, I believe that you played some of the games that were in the 20 that he highlighted. Yeah, so I tried um, probably about maybe three quarters of of them, so about like fifteen. Nice. Um, and honestly, like these games, it's just the fact that people can you know pull this stuff together. You know, oh, and or not, sorry, I should have said amazing. the theme, Swinney. What's the theme? Yeah, so the theme is joined together, and the idea is that people had forty eight hours to you know make a game with that theme, and they could essentially you know there were a couple. of tiny limitations outside of that but generally it's like they could do whatever they want as long as it was along the theme of being joined together and the the games that i really really enjoyed um that you know mark mark does talk about in the video so sleepy blocks is one of my favorites so yeah, that's essentially I love that one, yeah yeah a puzzle game and by the way a lot of these games you can just play in your browser as well so it's really really easy and they're very short experiences like sleepy blocks you can complete it's like 15 levels pretty easily a lot of them they build the concepts and then they may turn them into proper full-fledged games down the line. Um, but, yeah, that Sleeping Blocks is really, really cool where you're basically sliding a block around and once you connect to another sleeping block, it, you know, then you're moving around connected, but you've got to essentially then place the blocks on, like, a grid soccer band style to complete the level. That was really, really cool. Uh, Static Cling was another game uh, that I really enjoyed. So that's probably the most... That I think had one of the biggest teams out of these twenty that he featured. And he, he, he Mark mentioned that didn't he? That yeah, he said it's, and he had a full on team on it. <laughs> and he's like, maybe I should reassess maximum team size a bit because this. Uh, <laughs> but it's awesome. Like it's a uh, yeah, really really cool puzzle game where you move around the environment as like an electrical spark, and you essentially you know you take over little, little robot bodies. You you know you trigger and open doors. Lots and lots of cool mechanics. Looks great and had a really cool lo fi soundtrack mm. or 
song. A lot of these just have one single background song, as you imagine. Um, and the other two I quite liked. So the one was called Mrs. Modifier. So this is the platforming game, a platform game where you you essentially it's pretty simple, but you've only you've got three buttons. But what you can do is you can open the arcade cabinet and you can swap the functions of those buttons. So you you could basically say, okay, you've got functions like moving left and right, jump, air dash, uh, crouch, um, drop through platforms, and you've got to navigate the the levels with uh, arrangement of these things to make it so you can get through it. And that was really, really neat. But my it was f- a really cool concept just on that one. The, the only thing is I wonder what it'd be like to actually play it because it's that constant. The concept's awesome. So Intergod, I don't know if you've, you've seen it in, in detail. I, I just watched a bunch of stuff on it. Um, it. You only get three buttons from memory, left, right, and an action button. But you, in order to jump, you can't, you need to assign other things to it or in order to drop down, you need to to change one of the buttons to drop down. But that becomes a bit of a puzzle thing as well because there's certain things where you need a certain combination to get past. And when you look at the cabinet and you reassign all the buttons, you got to think carefully what to do and you got to like sort of plan ahead. Um, but the only thing is I wonder I wonder how that would actually place when he just from, a, from a, the perspective of I don't know, constantly being distracted by having to go and change your button layout, basically. Well, I can tell you exactly how that plays. Because okay, cool. Tell us, tell us, tell us. Yes, I'm excited. If, I, want to if you sw- I haven't actually played it. If you swap the buttons, it just re- like you resets a level. So you have to play the whole oh, level with the same arrangement of buttons. Per- okay, that makes sense. That makes, <laughs> that makes so much sense. That's really clever then. Yeah. Um, and the... There was a one quick one as well. Horse Divorce is really, really cool. So it's a puzzle, <laughs> puzzle game. That's hilarious. You're moving two ends of like a two-headed horse um, uh, around to make them kiss by moving boxes <laughs> up. That, a lot of these games are super short. That's an example of a super short game where it's like seven levels and then it's like, thanks, you know. Um, but just, my my favorite one, I'm not going to say... Just, the- just before you move on from Horse Divorce, it just reminds me that, you know, Overcooked... The yeah. Hong Kong and Chinese name for that is Divorce Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so apt. It's so apt. Um, but my favorite one, I'm not going to attempt to say the the proper French name of it because I, I, I attempted to look it up and I'm like, nah, it's not going to happen. I don't know, Mike, do you want to have an attempt at no, it? No, I-, <laughs> I know the one you're talking about, but no freaking, I don't know how you say it. <laughs> I don't know. Intigot, do you want to have an attempt? Possibly serait au fil et. I, I I have no idea. No, that's, that's pretty decent. That's pretty, decent. <laughs> that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, so it translates to peaceful evening among the stars. And this was my favorite. It was a very simple game where you connect stars to make constellations, but it has one of the coolest art styles I've probably played in the game in a long time and just a really great soundtrack. I really hope they turn that into a fully-fledged game because I think it would be really, really good and it'd be a great mobile game, honestly. Mm. So, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I, I'm just still amazed at what people can do. Um, even if they have pre-built assets and music or whatever, I don't care. The fact that they're still able to pull this stuff together in a package and put it up for people to vote on and things within that 48-hour period, I think I'm just amazed by it. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I think people, when they go, oh, why should we care? There's a lot of great games that have come out of Game Jams, like just off the top of my head, some of the big ones like Bubba is You, Celeste both, you know, directly come from game jams. Um, so it's a real cool opportunity for people to try different things. And also if you're working on a project, just going, okay, 
I'm just going to take a breather, do something different for 48 hours. And, you know, maybe you come up with some interesting ideas that you can bring back into the game that you're working on. So very, very yeah. cool. Yeah, I do question the timing of it this year, and I don't know how don't know how Terrible. it all played out because uh, I know this stuff takes time to organise. Mm. The fact that it fell within the week of E three just feels like uh, feels like it could have gone either way. It could have kind of been a benefit, but generally, I thinking I think it wasn't. It just didn't seem no. like as much of a big deal as last year's was, even though it got more entries. But I think it could have gotten a lot more if it wasn't falling in that week. Yeah, it's definitely. It, yeah. It, like, you know, we we did this silly thing of scheduling uh, the conclusion of Game of Some Other Year. Well, I should say I, because I did schedule it, um, of scheduling Game of Some Other Year Determination in the week of E3. But, you know, we don't have an expectation of 5,000 people, you know, coming on board to submit something and then having millions of people watch the video. So it seems odd, like, as if they either don't care or they're just doing it anyway. Or maybe they picked a date thinking that E3 would be the week prior. Potentially, Swinney? Mm. I don't know. Because I think it would have been awesome if it was this week, right? Or this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, like, not that much news. So it'd been, it would have been just an awesome opportunity to do stuff. So, yeah, hopefully they reschedule it in the future. It'd be really annoying if they have it on E3 every year. It just seems very wasteful, to be honest. Mm. Cool. But still, so many cool things that came out of it. Sleepy Blocks, that was that was a highlight for me as well. It's a game I'd definitely play. Puzzle Sigma, do you remember that one with the... With the mathematics, yeah, that and, was and that was that was really cool. But I could see my brain just exploding. I same, I'm like, ah, oh, if they do this? if they expand that <laughs> expand that out to anything larger, like I got through it. But then I'm like, oh man, like there's so much there. It also felt like one of the levels they you didn't actually have to add anything. You just had to like position the thing to get it. Like that was the idea. <laughs> I'm like, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a cheat. Nikki. And and Ghost Tell was a cool one as well that with a bit of more polish and some variations and stuff would have been really, really cool. That's the one where you it's it's like a twi- twin stick shooter, well, twin stick arrangement. Yeah. And each one is a ghostbuster and you gotta you gotta capture things between between your your beam. Um and I could imagine that'd be really cool single player and it'd be really, really cool with two people as well. So yeah, awesome entries. I'm still just amazed at how quickly people can can do this stuff. It's nuts. So nuts. Yeah, cool. All right, and let's go to our final bit of news. Uh, so it seems like the pandemic uh, that's been, uh, you know, impacting the whole world, including Australia, hasn't hurt Aussie game developers. So the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, which is the Australian and New Zealand peak video game developer body, uh, in this country in New Zealand, uh, they do annual surveys. So surveying all the big players in the Australian market. And some of the survey results have been quite interesting. Swinney, did you want to run through some of them and just how the Aussie game devs have been going? Yeah. And before I get to, I just want to say there's a couple of big considerations I think that people need to keep in mind here. First of all, the sample size is not massive. Um, so they had 52 respondents. But generally speaking, the kind of questions they're asking, they're not going to be sending surveys to like low-level interns and stuff like that. They're asking business questions. So even though it's 52 respondents, I think that they're probably reaching out to more senior people in these companies. And the, the Australian games industry is not massive. It's growing and there's lots of small developers. But I think, you know, with any statistics, you know, sample size does matter. And the other consideration is this body, the IGEA, 
obviously has a very vested interest in the way they communicate these results and stuff. So I think just keeping that in mind is important, but I think there is definitely interesting highlights. So, And, and just to add to that, probably the biggest other call out is the Aussie games industry, like the developers skew more mobile than anything else, like in, yeah. then in other jurisdictions as well. And you could imagine with COVID people being locked up and being in front of their phones even more is probably even more beneficial. So, yeah. So basically the overall, overall they found that, the industry has remained strong over the last 12 months. Um, and another key thing is that it's kind of given them more enhanced opportunities to find employment outside of what they traditionally would, you know, like local employment and things like that. But there was negative impact definitely felt in certain areas, specifically around contracts um, and the revenue coming in from contracts and projects that have been cancelled because let's say international partners have, you know, maybe felt it a bit more than Australia in that regard. Um, and also this news follows on from the recent new um, announcement from the federal Australian government that um, of the 30% tax break that we talked about uh, back on, uh, I think, episode 43. But, yeah, some of the quick highlights. So they found that 62% of uh, people reported stable or increased overall revenue and the important part here is it's compared to 33% last year. So it's actually Bad. a lot stronger than Doubled. last year. Mm. Um, and uh, 54% reported stable increased sales sales revenue compared to 44% last year as well. Um, so the negative impact, so 61% of respondents reported cancellation of contracts and projects. Now, they didn't have a reference point to what that was last year, but the fact that they the IGEA called that out means that that's probably where they felt the most negative impact. Uh, in terms of how it's affected the way that they work, so 60% of the people have adopted a hybrid model of work, so mixing both uh, remote work and office work, which makes sense. That's, pr- I, I would imagine, it's probably maybe higher in other industries, but obviously that's, you know, I that's the way that where I work has adopted and it's probably going to be the way going forward for a while while we're all dealing with this crap. Um, but interestingly, 33% have uh, hired interstate um of, uh, you know, workers and 28% of hired internationally. So it's really interesting that it's kind of with this has been talked about a lot outside of games. It's like the pandemic's almost accelerated trends that were probably going moving forward anyway. Um, but I just I think it happened in different industries though, more so. I've had friends who pre pandemic, uh, one friend traveled the world for nearly three years just contracting. Yeah, but, but, but I they're, mean, they're doing local work, right? No. All online. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And she lived in a whole bunch of countries. It was really cool. Mm. Yeah. So it's, I think it's just really interesting. If anyone wants to check it out, um, we'll link the IGEA's kind of, you know, write up about it. Mm. There was a quote that I found interesting from uh, Steve Wang, who's the general manager of Wargaming Sydney, and they do like the World of Tanks games and things mm. like that. Um, so he they, he says that now now that we're fully flexible, hiring remotely has proven to be very workable for our studio. We have employed new staff from Queensland and New Zealand with no requirement to be in the office. He also does mention the fact that they're also, you know, uh, hiring interns uh, that are working remotely, which I think is a really, really great um, movement for the industry, knowing that that's always a, a bit of a barrier if someone wants to get into the Australian gaming industry is that they have to move to one of the big cities in the past. So now there might be more opportunities to, you know, if you, you do live in a state nice. or a city that doesn't have a lot of those development houses, doing looking at that kind of stuff. Now, the other related news that um, happened this week is um, 
this is wider than gaming, but it does impact gaming massively, is the Department of Home Affairs uh, has added programmers and multimedia specialists to what they call the Priority Priority Migration Skilled Occupation List, which is a bit of a mouthful, or PM Soul. Nice. Um, so I've soul. yeah, I've worked in a related industry to skilled migration pathways before, and this is this is great news. And it was really born from uh, from what I've read from the fact that um, you know they during the pandemic that a lot of industries have struggled to get the the skilled people that they need. So they've they've added I think about. 20 new occupations to the list and that's obviously outside of gaming as well but what it means is that it will make it easier for game developers that are um you know the skilled game developers that are looking to you know potentially move to australia to gain permanent residency in australia and the positive effect that has is that it will open up a lot more talent for our studios here for people that are skilled looking to come into work in australia so i think this is great news combined with that 30 percent 30% tax break. Honestly, this is the most positive that I think the Australian games industry has looked in. I don't know. It's almost ever to me. Yeah. I think I think in terms of uh, settings from the government, it's certainly the best that's ever been. I think in terms of like what the games industry has been producing, it's getting there. I mean, we don't have any AAA studios anymore, so that's a bit of a shame. But, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think well, this programming thing is more about like big companies in Australia who need more programmers because so many things are moving digital, but it's going to have the knock on effect of making, as you said, a lot easier to get game devs to move to the country. If, if they do want international talent. If we do have Activision's Melbourne studio, that they're really, that they're really yeah. increasing now. So, but if you're talking about fully owned uh, Australian AAA studios and look, I don't know when the last when that was the last the case anyway. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was around the L.A. Noir time and um, yeah, yeah. also Borderlands the prequel. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is great. Um, just any time that some Aussie, you know, games industry news comes up, um, we're the ones that are going to look at it. So. Yeah, sweet. All right, and what we do now oh, to yeah. wrap up the news is we do our Miniman section. I will not labour it this week. Uh, I think Swinney wanted it as the editor-in-chief to always be me, and I feel like he's trying to throw me under the bus. You only have one minute, and you have to cover everything, and then the timer stops when you've finished covering everything, and if the alarm goes off, then you're kaputs. So maybe what we'll do is if the alarm goes off, then whoever's doing it, they can't do it. You know, It has to rotate to someone else. So this okay. week, Mike is going to do it. My my bet is he's going to fail. Swinney, do you think he's going to get through it? I think he will get confident. through it because he's going to just like. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. It has to be, be intelligible. To it. It's gotta, it has to be, yeah. Which is weird coming out of my mouth. But All right. Are you ready to go, Mike? Because sure. you're going to hear the little intro to the. You're going to hear the stinger and then the yep. time is going to start. And also, uh, there's going to be a 10 second warning. You'll hear some claps. So for everyone who's listening, listening via audio, you'll hear the 10 second clap and you'll know he's only got 10 seconds to go. The guys still haven't heard what the alarm is, so we'll see how this goes. All right. Here you go, Mike, to wrap up the news this week. I don't want no man. 
All right, Cyberpunk 2077 is not Sony recommended by Sony on Bates PS4. Valve has added region change <laughs> limits to Steam to combat regional price exploits. You only get it once every three months. Baldur's Gate 3 will not release in 2021. Larian has stated they are aiming for 2022. Overwatch's crossplay functionality has gone live for all platforms. Booker T has lost his lawsuit against Activision <laughs> for infringing on his GI bro character in Call of Duty. EA has acquired mobile death play de- playdemic for $1.4 billion off water media. Tencent now holds a majority stake in Spec Ops, the line developer Jaeger. Portal creator Kim Swift has joined Xbox's publishing arm, moving on from EA Motive. Bayonetta 3 is progressing well, according to Nintendo's Bill Trinan. Pokemon Sword and Shield leakers to pay 150000 after a call settlement with Pokemon with the Pokemon company. Xbox <laughs> head Phil Spencer has said new Killer Instinct is about finding the right team and opportunity, and WitcherCon will be digitally uh, a, a digital event held by CDPR and Netflix on 7th of July. Oh. <laughs> we had a snippet. <laughs> you guys didn't hear that. I think to be fair to Mike, I know what it is. I know what it is. On the record, Mike got through. So well done, Mike. Well done. Nice. I pressed, and, I pressed and the button. I think there was a slight delay in OBS. What I said. <laughs> and I'm so sorry for. Um, I think it was me butchering. No, it was me. It was the so. No, I was starting to rewrite it, and then Mike said, "Just leave it." it. So I'm like, "All right, I'll leave it how it is." Cyberpunk 27 is not Sony recommended by Sony. (laughs) (laughs) What I loved about it was that you had a Ron 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 Burgundy's approach of just reading whatever it says. (laughs) Cyberpunk 27 is not Sony recommended by Sony. <laughs> no, we're very well done. I actually thought you were gonna fluff it at the last minute. Did you think that's winning? Yeah, it, I, it got tight. But the thing is, Mike was adding random extra words. Like, I know. What are you doing? He's I like, know. all right, <laughs> all right, guys. I've already lost three seconds. I've lost five percent of all the time I have. Oh, good job! Good oh, job! Good job! Thanks, good job. I might, I might change the alarm, unfortunately, because you did hear a little bit of. A I don't taste know what it is, it. though. I, actually I know, don't know, I know. That you know, sound is burnt into yeah, my brain. If you know it, it's iconic. <laughs> You're not gonna, and probably uh, very infamous as well. So, all right, mm. let's move into my maybe second favorite segment now, <laughs> the bargain bin for the week commencing 27th of June 2021. As always, Epic Game Stores giveth Tim Sweeney. Uh, he's given us Horizon Chase Turbo and Sonic Mania, a very, very good game, for free this week. Uh, on Steam, we have the Steam Summer Sale, which runs until the 8th of July. There are thousands of games on sale, so well worth checking out just to see if there's a game that you like on there. Some of our highlights, Dishonored Complete Collection, so that's 1, 2, and Death of the Outsider is thirty four fifty. Divinity Original Sin 2, Definitive Edition is $26, one of the cheapest I've seen it. Halo Master Chief Collection is $24.97. Horizon Zero Dawn, the Complete Edition is $45. Sekiro is $45. Sid Meier's Civilization VI, $22.50. Or the anthology bundle, which is $73.25, and Stardew Valley is $10.20. Mike, do you want to cover the Nintendo and PlayStation ones? Sure thing. So digital highlights, we have a die for Valhalla, which is 80% off um, until the 3rd of July. A Sakuna of Rice and Rune is 30% off at $42.95 until the 7th of July. And Earthlock is 80% off. For 750 until the 24th of July. And we did discuss Metro, which unfortunately, by the time you hear this, is probably going to disappear. But just in case you do get to it, get Metro Last Light for $3 something odd 
uh, totally worth it. On PlayStation for digital highlights, we have uh, all until the 8th of July, um, Doriamon Story of Seasons at 75% off for $17.50, Fire Pro Wrestling World Deluxe Edition at 70% off for $39, Hotline Miami Collection. Uh, I didn't realize that number two was actually available to us at 75% off for $750, mm. and Persona 5 Royal 55% off at $45. Over to you, Swinney, for the Xbox highlights. Yeah, so we've got some Game Pass edition highlights. So available now is Worms Rumble on console and PC Game Pass. Coming on the 29th of June, we've got Going Under, which is available on console Game Pass, maybe PC Game Pass, but I couldn't find confirmation of that one. Uh, and available on the from the 1st of July, we've got some really cool games. First being Bug Fables, The Everlasting Sapling on console and PC Game Pass. Massively recommend that game. I love it. Gang Beasts on console and PC, which is great for anyone, uh, especially on Game Pass. It's wanting a really cool multiplayer experience. And we've got Limbo on console and PC. You know what I just realized? Did you remove my comment about the Series X Blades in Miniman? No, it wasn't there. Oh, I didn't okay. touch anything. Oh, okay. So the other, I mean, it's related to Game Pass then. Um, Microsoft are upgrading from Xbox One S server blades to Xbox Series X server blades for xCloud. And people are reporting the games are like running heaps faster, better frame rates, which I mean, super logical, right? You're running from Xbox One S to Xbox Series X. So it's a big jump there. Um, So yeah, like I think xCloud is just going from strength to strength. I just want to call out Mike putting Metro last light. The fact that sale has 12 hours left, this podcast won't go live for another nine hours. And unless people skip to the bargain bin, that means they probably have a total of two hours. If they listen to the whole show, the day it comes out. The <laughs> to time be fair, we out. mentioned it right at the start of the show <laughs> when you were off yeah. uh, getting your package, Swinney. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did say at the time there's only 11 hours left of this. So oh, probably okay, no okay. one's going to get it. 13, I think you said. So yeah, 13 at the time, which is like two hours later. Get to it. We we keep warning you. We just keep talking about it. Uh, All right. Let's get into our features and we'll start off with my review of Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I feel like I do need to read the copy that Swinney has. I don't normally do it. Uh, Read the copy that Swinney has in the run sheet. So this is, it sounds weird to say, but my, I guess, Intergod, alternative, uh, alternate dimension, mechanical alter ego, Interbot. Reviews, Insomniac's blockbuster sequel, which is incorrect. It's not a blockbuster sequel. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. We know he loved his first few hours of the game. What did he think of the whole thing? I thought he finished it last wait, time. Wait, what? what is incorrect about saying blockbuster sequel? Well, it's not a sequel. A sequel? Yes, it is. It's a sequel to... It's a new sequel in the... the, the a new sequel? Wait, wait, are you getting a bit sequel str- doesn't always mean the second game. It means just another Jerry, game in the series. Jerry. I I think it's like pretty inaccurate to say it's a sequel in this case. Okay, it's a new Ratchet and Clank. It's a continuation of the series. Round one. That's a sequel. Yeah, but it's not a. It's not a like direct because it's a bit. It takes a bit from 2016's remake, which is actually like not on the same timeline, and then also mixes in with the game that came before. No, that's not an uppercut. That's a. That's a miss. That's a. Fail. No, I think Man. the independent judge between us, Mike, is uh, Judge uh, Mike, Mike has declared Mike's victory to me. By, Mike's whipped by you, so he always takes his side. <laughs> so. Wait, hang on. I'm not because <laughs> I'd like to point out that I swear he finished it last week when he did the did. preview about it. No. 
Yeah, I thought he said he I finished the story. And I'm two like, weeks ago. how can it be so cool? Two weeks ago, whatever. And I'm like, how can it be so short? He's like, yeah, it's a short game. So I'm like, what are you reviewing today? <laughs> you already I, told us about I the like game. Mike, Mike is the hype master. He's really hyping up this segment. <laughs> so someone just right. jumping on. Why would you Why would you listen to the review? <laughs> Number one, I only played a few hours when I did the impression last time. I thought he finished it. No. So that I'm was two weeks ago. Then E3 happened. So we're like, we're not going to do the review because it's so much stuff in this episode. Yeah, so we'll that keep part. the review for next week. I hadn't finished it at the time I did the impressions. Okay, enough hype. Let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, just like to, to you know, continue your failure of being a hype master. This game, if you have a PS5, you should get this game. Why would you have a PS5 if you don't get this game? It's pretty simple. It's a great game. It's good platformer. Yes, If you've played the Ratchet and Clank series, you definitely love it. Uh, that's the overview. Now, I'll go into like what I loved, what I mehed about. And then what I hated about the game. Now, there's a lot to love. So obviously the first is the graphics of the game are incredible. It, I know it's so reductive and everyone said this, but it just looks like a CGI movie. It looks like if you actually go back to the Ratchet and Clank movie that came out in 2016, I'd almost argue this looks better than that game. And this is running in real time on a console, which is just Is it a, a lot better than the prequel? Well, it's not, it's not, pre- there's no prequels in this oh, game. Damn it. Nearly got him. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> and, you know, even going back to the 2016 remake uh, on the PS4 with the 60 frame per second bump that you can have for, I think it's PS4 Pro and for the PS5, but PS5 for sure, it you do notice the step up in this game. It is a true next-gen game. And it's really interesting to see the developers at Insomnia come out and say, we are just barely scratching the surface of what we're doing with the graphics in this. Like we really couldn't even, you know, do more that they really wanted to. In terms of other things that I loved about this game, it's just very Moorish. You just start playing it and it's hard to put down. And part of it is about the loading because the loading in my view just doesn't exist. It feels like they've artificially thought, well, we need to pause the action a little bit to get people to have a breath and then get back into it. And there are times where I even found myself sitting there going, oh, wait, like the cut scene is finished. The game's starting. <laughs> like it just seamlessly goes through everything. You don't really look at it. It's like, you know, a lot of Nintendo games do this where you go, wow, this looks incredible, this cutscene," And then it gets into the gameplay and you're like, oh, you can tell that this is the game now. It's very distinct. Uh, the difference between those two things. And for me, I just, I really like powered through this game. It's not a very long game and I'll get back to that, but you know, I would play this in two to three hour blocks and it's not difficult at all. It doesn't feel very frustrating to me, like at least the gameplay and just how the game plays out. Other things, you know, the dual sense, it's such a cool implementation of the dual sense. Overall, I am not as hyped about the dual sense as other people are. I think a lot of it is quite gimmicky and I don't really think it's something that, you know, Xbox should be worried about, you know, releasing a new version of the series controller. Um, you know, with a lot of the features still, I think the best thing about the controller is um, the triggers. They're just like, it's very cool. You know, the sort of the sense that they can tighten them up and loosen them and do things like that. Um, but it's just, it is a very good implementation and you'd expect that as a, as a sort of first party uh, developer in terms of characters, awesome set of characters, love river and kit. I, I think, you know, this game, it's like the 27th, I think in the series of Ratchet and Clank. So it, you can tell that the team, they love this this game and the lore of this game. And I think they had a really fun time coming up with a new set of characters. So Riven and Kit being alternate dimensions of Ratchet and Clank. 
And, you know, it's kind of a bit darker, the story between those two. I won't spoil anything, but it's just very, very cool. And as I said with the impressions, and, you know, you play this through. I haven't played very much of any other Ratchet & Clank game, and this game is such a good introduction. And it's so smart that they've done it like this where, you know, a lot of people, maybe they're jumping on PS5, like Swinney probably will grab a PS5 rather than a PS4. You know, I, I don't think you've played many of the Ratchet games. It's such a cool entry point to the series. And they've played a lot around with the lore of the game and linking it back to the history of the game. So I think it's just really fun for a creator where you go, oh, okay, we're in an alternate dimension. So we can view other aspects of a character that exist in our dimension to just, you know, bring things out. And, you know, if you're really familiar with the series, I'm sure that's like people really, you know, get that resonance with it. But even for me, it's really funny to see, okay, this dude's a pirate in this dimension and totally different character in another. And it's just, you know, quite funny. Um, Other things I love, like, this is a next-gen game. Like, we need more next-gen games. And I do laugh when people talk about, oh, this game could be put into PS4. It could be put into PS4 to me, not as an extreme as this, but it's like Tony Hawk going on the GBA, it's like still the core of it's Tony Hawk, the levels, but it's isometric now. It's different. It's not the same game. And some of the mechanics that they use in this game and just the visuals, you lose so much from the seamless transitions. They would have to put, I think, more cut scenes instead of scenes where you can actually control the action. And it just would be a, a far inferior game. And I understand there's 110 plus million people on PS4, but you do need... I think um, some exclusives on your console. It's a bit weird to not have any in terms of voice acting. Fantastic. I usually don't really love voice acting in games for whatever reason, this game, all the characters, it all felt seamless. It's not a long game. So I think it kind of benefits from that, but you know, all the voice acting very much on point just on the length of the game. I personally love that. This is not a 40 hour, 50 hour, 60 hour plus game. I'm so sick of like every game feeling like they need to add in pack in value. You know, I know that you've sort of, I don't know how hard you've been on this Winnie, but like with Assassin's Creed and just games like that, just padding things out. I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of that at all. And this game, you know, it is a bit of a collectathon at some points, but it's a collectathon you don't have to participate in. But everyone that I hear talking about this game and myself included, you just feel compelled to go back and, oh, I want to get all the golden bolts or I want to do this. It's Everything's just very seamless and frictionless yeah. in this the, game. The thing with that, though, is there's not that many collectathons anymore anyway. So there's people that like those kind of games and they don't get many of them anymore. So yeah. that's not a negative to me. That's like, well, it's if people want that, as you said, it's optional, then, hey, there's a new one of these games of people that like that stuff. Yeah, and I, I very much Absolutely love that. Optional, and yeah. I think collectathon is like almost a negative word now just because of, you know, I probably the, the one that everyone talks about is Donkey Kong Country 64. It's certainly not like frustrating. And the last thing that I'll say that I loved is that it recognizes itself as a game and it's meant to be fun. So without spoiling too much, but, you know, you go between Rivet and Ratchet and they're like alternative dimension versions of each other. And as you get weapons and, you know, the weapons have skill trees and the weapons are awesome in this game. When you unlock something as Rivet, it unlocks for Ratchet as well. When you go back to Ratchet gameplay. Interesting. And there's a comment in the game and it's tongue in cheek. It's just like, hey, how does this work? I don't really understand how this is working. You know, like, how do I have this new gun? (laughs) But I'm like, thank God they did this. Because when I actually got some stuff and then I went back to the other character, I was thinking, 
oh shit it's like because it doesn't make any sense why would the other character have that gun i'm like oh this is so annoying i just really wanted to use that i just upgraded it and then i went to the gun and it's like oh it's there i'm like sweet <laughs> That's awesome. and, it, and it kind of like you know, they handled it in, in yeah cool... it reminds me of doom 2016 like the opening of that game you know they're talking about the story and then the doom slave is just like you know basically fuck that and just like throws the monitor away and smashes it's like yeah it's just a fucking game just play the fucking game it's fun it's not not every game has to have a crazy story um so i mean that's kind of an interesting segue just into what i meh about um the writing like maybe for some people they'll find it really funny or just that kind of you know tongue-in-cheek writing all the way through it I just ultimately found it a bit basic. It's a bit straightforward. There no real compelling hooks. You know, the twists in the game felt super, super obvious that they were coming. You know, not terrible, but like I said, it's a bit meh for me. Um, another well, one. You're also the person that expects shameless list from every video game. So. <laughs> no, no, but to be fair, Swinney, like I have a very high standard on story writing and things like that. So that is fair criticism. And like I said, some people, I think they might like it. I, I didn't say I hated it. I just meh about it. Uh, the other meh is uh, the bugs. So weird that there's so many bugs in this game. Like I actually was really surprised. Like to a point where I'm actually shocked that more people don't make mention of it and it hasn't impacted the scores for the game because it's very highly rated. I, I I look at it as like, and this is why I say it's a meh, it's like they will fix it. I'm very confident that they'll fix the bugs, but quite often I'll find myself just getting trapped in the game, in the platforming of the game. Like you fall in between something and then, you know, Ratchet's just spinning around like insane, like it's almost cyberpunk-esque. Uh, bugs but you know the game really I think it's just so charming overall you know to a lot of people that you know they just look past it and they do seem to be pretty smart because if I got stuck and then I just left the controller for like literally three seconds my character would die so I felt like they actually knew that there were bugs in it because you would never program something like that into a game it doesn't make any sense right but it's like as if the player model can't move and there's no input, the game just kills you straight away. So it's like kind of an interesting thing that it works like that. The riff mechanic, another thing. Catch I, all what was exception. that? It's it's one of those catch all exceptions. Yeah, I think so. I honestly think yeah, it's the you know, finally you know yeah, clause uh, with the rift mechanic. You know, for me, it's like, and I know I'm a bit of a Nintendo shield wearing a Nintendo, you know, and all Nintendo stuff behind me. But one thing I love about Nintendo especially their first party games, they'll have a concept and then they'll flesh it out and fully, you know, go deep on it and they might move on. You know, it might just be like one level where they do that. Like a lot of Mario games do that. I feel like with the rift mechanic, so this idea of like being able to open up dimensions, move into them or pull your own dimension closer to you and move around in your dimension, it just really wasn't explored in a way that was creative or fully. Like it feel like, and I, you know, I, I don't think I'll be the first to say this, but I just felt like it was a grappling hook in a lot of ways or just like a portal to go into another universe, but had nothing integral about the gameplay that made it, that set it apart. And it to me is such a shame that they did not explore it in an interesting way. And if they make well, they will make another follow-up to this game and maybe an actual sequel. Um, I, I just think like, hopefully that's what they do because, you know, without spoiling anything, it's really late in the game where, you feel like you have your whole arsenal and then, you know, you can actually do stuff with it. Uh, other things I went a bit meh about, and I'll kind of combine these together, but like the platforming, then there's separate clank sections and separate 
like hacking puzzles. And they're all a bit like, uh, like, and you know, it sounds crazy because I did love this game, but you know, platforming and level design, it just is so by the numbers. It's very few areas I ever felt like were very creative or interesting or throwing something at me. It felt very much like almost like on rails. Wasn't, and I'm not expecting every game to be like an open world game or anything like that. It's just more that there was nothing the game was throwing at me where I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. You've put this in front of me and then I've gone, oh, I need these three things to put these together and then get through. And that's what I always look for in platforming games. It's how do you use the mechanics of the game that it gives you to then explore creatively in different ways. And it it just kind of doesn't hit the mark too well for me. Like the clank puzzle sections. I mean, the best descriptor that I could have is if you've played the Breath of the Wild shrines, it's like the most basic shrines, just like three in a row, like one after the other. Like they are like, I'm not very smart. These are just like so easy to solve. Like it, I was actually on like telecon, like teleconferences at work and stuff. And I was just playing it to the side. I wasn't even paying attention to the game at all because I was presenting in some, but it was just so easy. I was just like, grab this, move that. And it's almost like you have no real optionality in the puzzle. It's like you can only do these things or else you can't even do anything in the puzzle. So it's like, well, I have to grab that thing because there's nothing else I can literally do. Um, So it was a bit of a shame. And the hacking ones are interesting. I didn't mind them. I've heard a lot of people getting like motion sickness from them because you have a perspective. It's like you're a little spider that crawls around trying to kill viruses in this cyber world. And as you move, it really fluidly moves upside down and the whole world will move around you and like really quickly. So even when I was playing, I was like, whoa, this is really crazy. It'd be cool in VR. But yeah, a lot of people have got motion sickness from it. And again, it's something, you know, like the great thing about this game, and I'll I'll whack this in the things that I love, the accessibility, the options, it gives you lots of space to do different things in this game and skip bits. And you can actually skip these puzzles and you can skip them and still get all the rewards from them without doing anything. So I feel like they kind of almost recognize mm, some people won't like these. So like, let's just give them the ability to skip. And well, just, it's also probably for smaller children as yeah, well. that's true. And and just on that, so like the last, last kind of meh thing is the game is just too easy. It's like too easy and I really mean it in this way of it's way easier than like a Mario Odyssey. And in the sense that there's nothing in this game that's hard. You can crank the difficulty up, but there's nothing challenging in this game. Whereas at least with even Odyssey, there's some kind of, you know, late game, very like extra, way past the rolling credits. That's, you know, it's some platforming skill that you have to have to complete it. And you absolutely do not need to complete it if you want to play the game. Whereas are, there this, any, are there any tough trophies or anything no, like that? It's so wow. straightforward. Like everyone gets a platinum in this game if you play it for like 15 oh. hours or so. The hardest thing is there's a weird trophy that you have to get to get the platinum where... The descriptor is a bit weird and it's sort of about reflecting bullets or reflecting and people don't really understand what it means. So they're trying to shoot everyone and like get get it to ricochet off other people. It's really, I think you just have to put your shield up and let the bullets bounce off your shield to get that trophy. But literally that's the hardest trophy that everyone talks about. Like everything else. And this is kind of what I'm saying. The game's too easy. It's like everything is marked on the map. It's like, here's what you need to get. Here's what you need to get. It's not like uh. hidden. So you know where it is. Um, and then just to round it out, like what I hated about the game and then, you know, it's a bit harsh, but I'm just trying to be edgelord. Uh, like, and you know, it's kind of all, all around the same thing. It's just that 
to me, there's nothing like magical about this game. And I know that's a high bar, but to me, I don't understand how people could say this is like a 10 out of 10 game. Like to me, the game has no X factor. There's nothing so compelling in this game. It's very much a game where I feel like in five years time, people go, yeah, that was a good game. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Wow, great game. But not like a game of a generation or a game of the year. I do think it will factor into the game of the year. I think it will be one of the nominees. I'm very much thinking it will be. But I couldn't see this as a game of the year at all, especially when you've got other creative games coming out. And, you know, it's hard for me not to compare it to Astro, given that Astro comes with a console. To me, in almost every way, Astro feels superior to this game. More creative, you know, puzzles, more creative gameplay. For And it's also a platformer. The biggest thing is probably Astro, like the graphics in Astro, whilst being great, you know, they are another level with uh, Ratchet and Clank. They are so insane in Ratchet and Clank. And then just like the last thing that I hate, I'm not a big Marvel movie fan. And in a way, it kind of actually reminds me of a Marvel movie, this game. It's just like a popcorn blockbuster, highly polished, but kind of doesn't have an edge to me to like grip me into and actually like, you know, fully go, wow, this is totally amazing 10 out of 10 game. But having said all of that, as I said at the start, I totally recommend this game. You know, really, really enjoyed it. And just feels like a no-brainer on the PS5 to show the difference from a PS4. Do you think it's worth $110? So, I mean, like, I don't currently have my copy. And I <laughs> I would buy this game again for, like, 30 or $40. I think that's a really hard one because I don't like judging games on their dollar value, even though I might be the most insane person buying a game for certain prices and not buying it for others. I just think it's like, you need to talk about what the game's like, and then it's up to you what you think the value is. I actually hate the whole, oh, the game's a hundred hours. So I get my dollar per hour value. I think that's insane to look at. I'm not talking like dollar way. per value. I'm just yeah, saying I, general. I, I, I know. I'm just trying yeah. to call that out. Like specifically well, that point. That uh, for me, no, not, it's not worth $110 personally, but I think it's a very personal thing. Um, I think if you look at Astro, Astro, I played for like 10 hours, I think, in the end to do everything platinum that. I think this game's maybe 15, 20 hours to platinum. So you say yep. double, right? But you paid $750 for Astro. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, don't laugh at Astro, man. It's going to go down. I'm like, not laughing. It's the, great. The trajectory the PS5 is going, Astro will be 100 million, uh, you know, sales units. That's how it's going to get counted. It's going to be one of the best selling games of all time. Um, yeah, so like I just the way for for me for people to look at it is go, what did you think of Astro? If you got a PS5, you've got Astro. You know, would you pay you know one hundred and ten dollars for double the amount of content for Astro? And I think the answer would be no for most people in that okay. way. But there's not many games out there, so uh, why- thank you, thank you, member for Big Week in Gaming for that uh- <laughs> political <laughs> answer. So you sound like a politician. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I want to be clear that it's like, for me, I don't think of it like that. So it's kind of like, you know, for me, no. But for other people, 100%. Thank you. That's what I was wanting to know. You're like a reporter. Yes or no question. That's all I will quote. No. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to our final segment of the show. And it is game of some other year. We choose the next game of some other year. So. You've been on the journey with us, maybe, for 2011. One of the greatest years of video games. Uh, Swinney and I were only on the show at the time. We didn't want to include Mike because we were worried that he was going to interrupt all the way through. 
well-founded fears. <laughs> or get us cancelled. <laughs> or not, not prepare. So all the things we were worried about were true. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of a bit uneventful, Swinney, last time. We said we had a, we had any year, any year possible. We both came up with top three and we both landed on the same number one. <laughs> so it's a bit, like, hard to go faster. And there wasn't much conversation really past that. You know, we sort of spoke about the other years that we could have picked. So I think we did have very different picks, you know, outside of that. But we what did, we yeah. have decided is for this one, just given that we did 2011, let's mix it up. So let's do the 90s. So Woo-hoo! the it's goal the is <laughs> we can only choose a 90. And now for any of the video uh, clip watches or the main show watches, I will take off this background quite shortly because I think people are going to have an epileptic fit. <laughs> I might remove it straight away. There you go. You've seen what the 90s are. All right. So we've all picked our top three. We uh, Sorry. Yeah. Top three of the 90s years. Uh, we have not spoken about what each of us picked, and yeah, we'll, we'll sort of go from there. Like, see what what we're what we're going to land on. So, who wants to go first? We'll start from third, yeah. So we'll go yeah. all our third picks, mm-hmm. second, first, and it could get very anticlimactic if we've all picked Mike's the same first. Like, oh, it's meant to choose. I know it looks like he's actually all right. So people no, at home, no, it genuinely no, looks I like have. he's coming up no, with it's his head. Because, it's no, it's because I've got I've got. A top four, and for the life of me, I cannot narrow down spot three and four to put a number three. What's so I'm just whatever's on the top of the list, remove that one. That's your choice. That's gone. Okay. So, <laughs> well, who wants okay, to go so, first? Do you want me to go first? Because I already you know can go first. clearly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go, go, go. Yeah. So, and I, I got it on the screen. It's very basic. So, just forgive me. Um, so. Out of all the 1990s years, and so many good years, it's insane, actually, if you go back in the 90s. Like, some of the years are bangers. For my third pick, I regard as maybe it's the best year of video games, but I'm picking a third, and there's reasons we can get to it. Uh-huh. I think it's the th- the best game. I think it's the only year that you can genuinely go, all right, this can go head-to-head against... 2011 as being the best year of video games. So obviously, and I'm trying to edit it now, but I've no, made it. We all know what it's going to be. It's 1998. I've picked yeah. 1998 yeah. as okay, my yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah. Mike. Interesting. Okay. So so my Wait, third... are we not going to explain why, like some of the games maybe? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool, cool. So 1998. Just, just quickly. Just quickly. About and, okay. Yeah. Just like, I'm glad you called that out because we're going to cover it from the start. Now, when you talk about 2011, most of the most, even by 2011, worldwide releases, everything came out in the same year. It, there's hardly any controversies. As you go back in time, the world's very different. And we all live in Australia, which again is even different again because some games never came out here or like only came out in Europe or only in America. So the way we're looking at this, this is our logic that we're looking back not at the Japanese releases, we are looking at when they hit Western shores. So that could be North America or Europe or Australia, because there are some cases where it came out in Australia first. Now, the other quirk to that, and we'll work through it probably more closely when we actually pick the year, is some games came out in arcades, then they came out on home consoles. Those said games are sometimes very similar, so you could almost bucket as the same game. Some are different, like the arcade and the console version are pretty quite different. So it's kind of almost a case-by-case basis, and we'll have to work through it. Um, and then you get really weird quirks like Diablo is probably the weirdest that they almost themselves regard it as coming out as two different years. Uh-huh. 
But officially, officially, they say it's the f- the start of January when the game came out in '97. But on some sites, you even see it saying as it came out on the 31st, 31st. of December, yeah. 1996. Well, we're so, officially going to put it in 90, 97. 97, yeah. So, like, yeah, well, you know, there's debates on those kind of things. I think when it's only one day and it's like a day you can't even shop, that mm-hmm. really shouldn't count. So, 1998. I mean, like, look at this: Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, easily in my top ten video games of all time. Very tied closely in my mind with Breath of the Wild. I would love to replay this and see if I feel like Breath of the Wild's better or this is better. Half-Life, I mean, come on. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, StarCraft. This year is like such a banger that I could drop off games that are just like huge for other people. You know, like, you know, what can I say? 1998 is an incredible year. Pokemon, Blue and Red. Resident Evil 2, it's just... Tekken, Tekken 3. I know, it, it, like it's it, ter, Gran Turismo. Like, I mean, this year is ridiculous. I, I started to rank from my own perspective and it just, I actually had to stop at 20 games because I was like, holy shit, I've forgotten Thief. Oh my God, you know, Oddworld. This is just like, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, a game that I feel like needs to get more attention. You know, it, it's just an insane year. So 1998, but I've ranked it third and I'll give reasons why yeah, later. Really interesting you get a third, okay. Because this is not necessarily what I think is the best year in the 90s. We don't need to do that. It's no, what year what should doing. we pick to compete and fight and cover. So you're not explaining why now? I think as we go through, I want to explain why. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. Mike, do you want to go for your third yeah, pick? so my number three spot was 1996. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so in 1996, we got... So a listener will be happy to hear that. <laughs> but he's ranked at third, so well, that's not good. I'm ranked at third, unfortunately. Because <laughs> if so we don't we'll 96, what, 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 he's what in trouble. It depends what you guys come up with. It might end up being number one. So that was the year that we got Super Mario 64, um, which, you know, s- s- set a precedent for a lot of modern uh, Mario games. Uh, we got Quake, which, again, huge game. Uh, Terra Enigma... Um, Command and Conquer. Is Red that one Alert. of your favorites, Terra Enigma? I never actually played it. One of the reasons why I'm, you know, I'm doing some of the rankings is it, it, it's it's a it's a tough call between I've played this and would love to play it again, and I think it's a solid game, and it's it's so many good games that year versus never really played this properly. This is a great opportunity to play these games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look, some of the other mentions, I think, from 1996 are Red Alert uh, from the Command & Conquer series, which amazing game at the time, uh, Resident Evil, Crash Bandicoot, um, Tekken 2, Tomb Raider came out that year. Uh, they're probably like the big big ones that I can think of. That's, that's 96 in third spot for me. All right, in third spot for me, and this will be nice and easy, is 1998. Oh, so Ooh, same same okay. as Inter got, and my te- my little note next Ooh. to it, best year in gaming ever. So exactly huh. what he said. So interesting, um, interesting, interesting. Am, the logic am, you guys use. I okay. am going to explain a little bit why I've got that third myself. Mm-hmm. Is because we're talk- we we just mentioned this is not about the best year. Uh, honestly, it's kind of like. I think if we chose 1998, not only would it be a very difficult task to actually rank that stuff, mm. but also, honestly, the later we get in the 90s, the trickier it's going to be to really judge a lot of these games in a 2021 light because mm. once you hit the N64, PlayStation um, era, 
the a lot of the games, the those early entries in the 3D generation show their age a lot more. That's so, true. That's true. Yeah, whereas when we look earlier to the 90s, then, you know, we're in the 16-bit era. Oh. So that's mm. the reason why I'm actually not going 1998, although it is the best human game ever, according to probably two of us. Well, I didn't say it's the best. I said it's right up there with 2011. I think they're the only two years that could be the best. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like we'll – I think at one stage – the show will run long enough that we'll go back to 1998. I'm, I'm pretty confident about that. Oh, no doubt. We'll run out of years eventually. All right, I guess it's me, right? Yeah, number two. Uh, so kind of like on a similar theme, though, I have chosen 1997 as my second pick. Oh, okay. I think another insanely compelling year, specifically to me as well, Symphony of the Night. I've only played a little bit of it, and, which is really weird because I'm such a huge Metroidvania fan. Uh, maybe because I stand Metroid more than I stand uh, Castlevania, even though I do love the Game Boy Advance game, so it's a bit illogical what I just said. Uh, you know, another banger year. Like, personal favourites for me, stuff like Diddy Kong Racing, Star Fox 64, Quake 2, which, you know, I I even admit myself, I can't say it's Quake 2 would necessarily be in the top six that year. And we should call out that, yeah, we are we will do a top six at least. I think Swinney wants to do a t- top ten, but we'll discuss that off air. Um you know, like so many bangers in this year as well. Mario Kart 64. And I think like for me, the trickiest part of this year is if you go through some of the games, there's actually awesome co-op and multiplayer games in this year. And you'd almost want to like, you know, GoldenEye 007. You'd almost mm. want a way for us to all play that to give it, you know, it's just desserts because you kind of almost have to judge it on that element as well. But yeah, that's why I've landed on... Uh, 1997, and a little bit selfishly as well, because I really want to actually play Castlevania, Final Fantasy VII, and Diablo, <laughs> and they're all listed there. So, mm. how about you, Mike? What's your second pick? So my my second pick is 1998. Oh, so, yeah. I'm getting worried. 98 could be the winner. Uh, <laughs> other than that, there's a whole bunch of games, and and I, I think I think you guys are right, but I also think some of those games do stand the test of time. So, The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, I think, is still totally playable. Would love to play it. Half Life is still, to this day, a decent game. I know it's dude, you know clunky, but no, it's really, a, it's an amazing game still. Dude, I installed Half Life to test it. It was working because I was going to yeah. play Half Life Two, and I ended up playing it for three hours. I was like, damn, this game is so compelling. Like to yep. this day. So uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, trying to play a game like Resident Evil 2. And you have to play the original. You can't play the well, new Resident Evil. No, well, you couldn't, no. Well, you couldn't play the remake you of that. Can't not that one. Not, the, not no, that one. But I think with Metal Gear Solid, you, you probably could play the GameCube version of that, potentially. Yeah. Mm. Well, we can talk about that. We can yeah, talk about that. Anyway, we'll talk about it if yeah. we get around to that. You know, some, something's going to be a bit hard. Like Gran Turismo is going to be really interesting to play. Um, Grim Fandango... Totally playable even by today's yeah. standards. You can get it on the Switch. Baldur's Gate, I still think, still holds the test of time. There's the, you know, the opportunity to play the the new version of it. Um, what else do we have? Fallout oh, 2, yeah, we've come amazing game, yeah. still works perfectly fine. Um, in, in fact, I'd play that any year. So there's a lot of really good titles, I yeah. think, that are oh, totally yeah. playable and highly enjoyable. So that's me for 90. On my second spot. I just I just noticed the, the years are appearing above our names. That's cool. It's like Ooh. RPG damage numbers. Yeah, I just did this as a very small thing just so I could also track what everyone's saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my second pick is 1994. Ooh. 1994. I was thinking about 94, yeah. So 94 is actually, I believe, was 
probably my second pick last time as well. Yeah, or at it was, least it, it was. was. In, and the reason why I didn't get bumped up the first, well, I'll get into mm-hmm. it, but 94 was like a hallmark year for 16-bit era. It was probably, to me, like the best year of that, of the SNES mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. So we had Super Metroid. Which um, is my favorite game of all time. Yeah, so Final Fantasy VI. We got a. There's a lot of games that aren't like I'm just looking at this list. Um, I'm trying to have like, Ultima Eight go across a bit. That's in my top ten games you of had, all time. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country. I mean, like there's games here that to me are just like hallmarks of that era. And then you got a whole bunch of awesome PC games. You got System Shock. You've got, as you said, um, what what did you say, uh, Mike? Sorry. What was the game Ultima you said? Ultima 8. Ultima 8. You've got uh, Doom 2. Dude. And then, Arc- like, if you're taking, MB- are you taking NBA Jam Arcade in this uh, year? No, I think it was the SNES version. That's the SNES. Well, even the SNES one, right? But on Arcade, you had Daytona Bloody USA. Yeah, you know, the, which, really- which, for whatever reason, in Australia, it's so popular. Yeah. Every arcade so- in Australia has Daytona USA. But to me, it's really about those first two games for me. That's what yeah. makes that year. But it's not my number one. Well, like for me mm. as well, just to add to that, like, you know, mm. I played a lot of Warcraft. Like that that year, and, you know, obviously Super Metroid is my favorite game of all time. Final Fantasy VI is my favorite Final Fantasy game. Yeah, it's a, a Doom 2 to me is still probably the best Doom game. It's it's a crazy year. It's a crazy year for games. Oh, shit. Now I guess we're off to our top yeah. picks. Yeah, I was like boy. getting nervous then. <laughs> all right. So for my pick for number one, and as I said, we, we don't know what each other's picking here, nope. uh, is 1995. Oh. So kind of on the similar vein to Swinney, like I really wanted to pick a year that's more, you know, 2D graphics, you know, 16-bit era. I was actually kind of hoping something in the early 90s would resonate with me, but it didn't. Not saying that it won't with the guys. But yeah, look, 95, Chrono Trigger, you know, regarded by a lot of people as their favorite game of all time. You know, Earthbound came out in this year. Uh, Yoshi's Island, Diddy Kong's Quest, you know, just absolutely insane bangers from the start. And then you go through games that I have huge personal attachment to, stuff like Worms. Like Worms was just like, honestly, for me, maybe one of the most fun multiplayer in-person games you could play. Just, you know, given the sort of turn-by-turn nature of it, and you're just thinking, shit, my character's about to die here. I've really fucked this up. Uh, Not then, as good as uh, Cubasic Gorillas, but okay. <laughs> and then, you know, you kind of go through, like, other, you know, areas. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of FGC, fighting game community, and just, like, fighting games. And you go, well, this is the year that, you know, Killer Instinct really got its start, you know, with the console releases. Tekken came out. Uh, Street Fighter Alpha Series started in this year. It's just an absolute banger in terms of a year. And just, you know, the, nice. I, I guess now that we're talking about our number ones, the probably the biggest reason why I wanted to pick this year is... You know, we've had this conversation before, but I look at, you know, Earthbound is regarded as one of the best RPGs and then Chrono Trigger as well. Yoshi's Island, Donkey Kong's Quest, like Donkey Kong Country 2, they're also regarded as some of the best platformers ever. I feel like I'm picking this year to go, fuck it. We have to decide not only what the better game are, like, you know, Yoshi's Island versus Donkey Kong, you know, Country 2, and then also Earthbound and Chrono Trigger. Out of those mm. games, which is the best game? So, I don't know. Oh, I just think, to me, it's like dynamic, you know. I, I like it. So, yeah, that's mine. How about you, Mike? What's your number one pick? My number one's pretty simple. It's 1997. I, I oh, went the... Okay. Well, I wouldn't say I went the, the, the safe route or anything like that because it's actually, mm. a, as, as you pointed out, probably personally the biggest year 
in so many ways. I mean, Symphony of the Night, which I'm looking forward to playing properly, Final Fantasy VII, Epic Game, Diablo, um, what, what else did we talk about? Um, Quake 2, GoldenEye, for, the original Fallout, which is one of my favorite games of all time, Harvest Moon that started off an entire generation of, of games. Yeah. Blade Runner, which to this day is actually an amazing game, and I That's have a physical a copy game. of it. Yeah. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, the original Grand Theft Auto, and come on, what that started is insane, absolutely which, insane. Which, by the what, way, we're what? so old. Swinney, remember playing that back in school? I remember modding yeah. that game. Wait, I, I remember was, creating I was, my own cars and shit for it. We were playing Grand Theft Auto on the school computer somehow. <laughs> yeah. somehow. I think we hacked yeah. it to make it work, which is so, like, we're so freaking old that people don't even know there's a Grand Theft Auto, like, 2D version. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and look to me to me that was the number one in terms of in in terms of the the how awesome the games were and how memorable for me they they all were um absolutely the number one year Uh, which worries me a little bit because if we're not picking it oh my gosh that's gonna be that's gonna be a 2011 kind of year for me trying to decide oh and these these years are really good years yeah all right Sweeney. Nobody, oh no. I feel like Swinney could be almost be like a decider. If he says 97, I feel like it's going to be anticlimactic again. <laughs> okay. My, it won't be, it'll be my number one pick is 1997. Is it really? Is it no, really? it's not. It's oh. not. Oh, come on. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I, I had it. It's 97. It what is it? <laughs> Wait, what's the Sneaky year? Did you say little. the year? I didn't hear my it. My year, my number one year is 1995. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, We're picked almost the exact son. same thing again. <laughs> yep. So the reason why I chose 1995 and not 96, I'm sorry, Jives. Um, they're all great years. 95 to me was... The tail end of my favorite generation, the 16-bit generation, it was like the mm. swan song. We've talked about those games, right? Mm. Chrono Trigger, Yoshi's Island, Diddy Kong's Quest. These were like the games that were showing, this was like, hey, you love the Super Nintendo especially? It's like, he's the best of the best this year, you know? And I like what you said, Into God. What's better, Yoshi's Island or Donkey Kong Country 2? We've probably had that battle. Mm. Since we've known each other yeah, for all these years, and if we choose 95 as ga- our next game of some other year, we're going to have to battle those two because I'm telling you now, those two are going to be in, the, in our six or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to have to come to a head. So 95 <laughs> is the year for me. Mm. I find it so funny that we picked the exact same year as our top year again. But we're in an interesting predicament because Mike didn't yeah. pick 95 at all. What was your fourth no. pick? Well, 95 was my fourth oh, pick. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have 90, disclosed that. Yeah, 90, <laughs> 96 and 95. You should so. have put a Swinney and lied. And trick, I should have lied. Yeah. Oh, it was 1990. It was 99, man. Dreamcast, baby. Yeah, bro. <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's a bit, you know. So oh, I said the, the wrong year last year, so... Look, well, see, this is, <laughs> this is an interesting one because I feel like, I feel like 1995 purely because... You both had it as your number one. Probably overrides anything, I would say, to be honest. No, I, don't I don't see how so. I could possibly... We had 97 as number one. I had 97 as number two. Yeah, but that's nowhere near as good as having two number ones. So True, yeah, and Swinney hasn't got 97 Like, if you put all. a weighting on it and you go... Mm. You go uh, number one position gives you three points. Number two position gives you two points. Number three position gives you one point. And then you add up the totals. <laughs> this is real compelling tape right now. <laughs> you will, you will get it. Okay, so 1997. So, by that so logic, if you, I've just got it on the chalkboard right now. 
Okay. So, so I know, so, I know the maths of it, but you know it's what not I mean. about so you'll the maths. get five points out of number. I know that. I know what that. are we going to get out of ninety ninety eight? By you the way, one, two points, four points, uh, three. Uh, okay, one point. Right, 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 I know, Mike. Mike. Shut Mike, up! Shut right. up! <laughs> I have no issue whatsoever if we actually go ninety seven. No, I'm. I'm also very open to whatever. Like, yeah, but I feel like because because you guys are passionate about 1995, it is it is mathematically the, guy, the, the best guy, one. The guy that doesn't have 1995 is trying to argue. For <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's what I'm thinking as well. I'm cool. Look, I don't know. In your heart, into God, what do you feel? I think like the the easiest way to look at it is just eliminate stuff, right? So what can we eliminate? Like that's that's like just working through it, right? Like I feel like we eliminate ninety four, yeah. It's between these two years. Yeah. Like, let's, okay, let's so eliminate like, everything. Okay, else. easy. So yeah. it's ninety five or ninety seven. Yeah. Pretty so much, let's yeah. let's stack it up, right? The pros and cons. I think the pro of ninety seven actually is if I'm looking at a top six, and I feel like we should still do a top six, but let's just let's just imagine because we did top six last time. So top mm. six. I feel like Diablo, Final Fantasy VII, and Symphony of the Night all are in that top six, right? They fall out for Without, me easily. No, 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 not, 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 not automatic. Oh, but I'm I just saying know. the automatic Sweeney. ones. So it's fall out automatically. I would back Mike this up, but yeah. I have to do a full playthrough. No, but let's just say automatic ones. Oh, we easily all, automatic. We're for all me saying no, but no, I'm Mike, saying Mike would argue to the death. I will argue that. to no, the death. It's probably. I'm saying ones we all say it's would be our, game of wait, the year for okay. 1997. I'll reframe it, Mike, so you can understand. <laughs> what are uh, these three games are all in our top six, personal top six? Let's say it like that. Yeah, Symphony of the Night, Final Fantasy VII, and Diablo. Is that right? No, because top I six? never really played Symphony. Diablo of the Night, wouldn't so probably be mine. Oh, really? Well, fuck me. <laughs> and then it won't be. The, it won't be for him. So yeah. Anyway, I don't think this is going to be an agreement. You assholes yeah. have totally ruined the point that I'm trying to make, which is. <laughs> One thing that I think is in hugely in 97's favour is yeah. the games are really different. Symphony of the Night, Metroidvania, Final Fantasy VII, RPG, yeah. Diablo, CRPG. Extent, but racing still, games, yeah. multiplayer racing, games, like yeah. you've got kind of everything, like first-person mm-hmm. shooters, and they're all like some of the best. Like Blade Runner is like an insanely cool game. Like I just think one thing that is massively in 97's favour is the games, the dynamic nature of the games themselves is so different, mm-hmm. whereas 95... To me, like, you know, it really is like platformers versus RPGs, (laughs) fundamentally. Versus fighting games. Because you got Tekken Killer Instinct and Street Fighter. Yeah. I I just can't see a fighting game being the number one, though, personally. No, neither. Right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, the fact that Mike and I say probably not, I don't think you're going (laughs) to overrule us. But I'm saying, that's not what what we're talking about now. No, no, but no, um, because again, it's not what the best year is. Because I think if the best year, we'd all pick, well, you know, 98 would have been picked, I think. I just no. I don't want to judge this based on the potential mix of what the top six. Could oh, be. I think that's important. I think that that's an interesting thing because you know you want to get you want it to be interesting, right? So mm. no, I just want to talk about games I like. That's all. <laughs> well, you don't like the Symphony of the Night, Final Fantasy VII, no, but I'm saying no. I'm saying that's what I, I'm just. I don't care. I don't care which one we go with. I'm you just don't like Blast Corps. <laughs> Uh, Parappa the Rapper. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, 95, 97. So what do you, what do you guys, what, like, what do you think? I, I, talk to you guys. You know my reason, number one. So. The reason I think we go for 1995, I think at the end of the day, we had two people rank it as our number one. Yeah. Yeah, but now Intergut's like, hmm. 
<laughs> I, well, I had 95 and 97 in my top two, right? Like, it was kind of pretty close. Uh, and you're saying 97, Mike? After yeah. all, everything? That's totally up to you now. Damn. I'm not usually the deciding vote. No, no you guys usually go against me with these things. Hey, 97 was apparently Curse of Monkey Island, which is an amazing game. Oh, damn. Another one. Holy moly. El Polo mm. Diablo will be very angry if you... Yeah, El Polo Diablo. <laughs> uh, uh, it's actually hard. Because, you know, Diddy Kong Racing is one of my favorite games of all time. All right, how about this? I'll just make the decision. Okay, you're just going to go 95. We go with 9097. <laughs> what? Like, say, so like, look at this asshole. He, the one time I have the casting vote, he's like, fuck this. I'm going to, like, fuck this. You're not getting day your up. vote. How do you, you have the casting vote? <laughs> He goes, how do I have casting votes? When he said 95, Mike said 97, and then I haven't said one yet. <laughs> and he's like, how do you have a casting vote? casted for you. Uh, I got to go with 95 because I got to decide, like, with the Diddy Kong <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, but so he No, he's trying to trick me, but I'm... <laughs> no, he's, he's pretending to trick me, but I'm... Okay, so 95, is I'm it? I'm genuinely going with what I think it should be, which is what okay, I said look, at the start. We can revisit 90, 97 at a later time. So wait, so what did we, where did we land on? I'm saying 95, Mike said 97 still. Swinney, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying 97. Are you actually switching? <laughs> Is he actually switching for legit? Sorry, I got water. I'm drinking water. <laughs> um, one thing, one consideration. I so know I'm just going to say this guy's an absolute right. idiot because he doesn't right, even wait. have 97 in his top three. Wait. The one consideration we have to think about, yeah. and I know we shouldn't, is accessibility to actually nah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Well, no, it is because no, I don't nah, really want to play nah, it on bullshit. an emulator or something. I want to play bullshit. the game on some Because, for method. instance, like Star Fox 64 or Lilac Wars, right? I don't have access to play that game, right? Now, I could talk about that game, but there's Wild Arms, right? You know, like the accessibility of 16-bit emulation is way easier than nah. to me the others. So I, I think-, think that... I think that that is a consideration. There's a there's a bunch of games. I just think it's going to be easy to play all the games in '95. But I, I'm I'm cool with '97, man. I reckon Absolutely. it's easier to play '97 personally. No, God, they're no. all that's available ridic- somewhere. No, that's ridiculous, dude. Like, you you, it's not? Swinney's point is 100 percent correct. That yeah, it is okay, yeah, easier, but, but it's Symphony not. Of the night, it shouldn't easy. be determining Final factor. Fantasy easy, Diablo easy, Diddy Kong Racing. Okay, Star nah, Fox dude. maybe not. Quake, dude, too all easy. the games in 95, I could freaking run on my bloody calculator on my I'm toaster. Integral. I'm not saying it's determining <laughs> factor. I'm just trying to find I'm like reasons why I would choose one over the other. I just feel like that shouldn't be a consideration. I think that's so unfair for like the year to me. I understand what you're saying. I 100% understand. Like, it's like mischief, way easier mischief makers. Like, playing Mischief Makers probably on a 64 emulation is probably play like crap. All right, you oh, know, no, like, no, 1995, no. I've decided on <laughs> the old This is awesome. So you can All shut right. the hell so up. So it's 95. <laughs> We've landed on 95. I love it. So Mike didn't have 95, and he's picked 95. Sweeney didn't have 97, he's picked 97. And the man that was consistent, me, 95. So, so 95 about- is the year. It's about this time that I say that I actually wanted no, you know, actually, yeah, sure. I don't blame you anymore. <laughs> I don't blame you anymore. <laughs> All right, so we're doing ninety-five. So, yeah. what is next is we've got to pick our top six for next week. So, as painful as this has been, it's going to be doubly painful. For yeah, going to be rough next yeah. week. Yeah, and the other thing that we need to do is a bit of an exercise of just triple checking, and you know. I think some of them is going to be really simple. Like this was when the Western release was, but some of them we need to all agree. Like, is it in mm. ninety five or not? My top six for ninety five are pretty damn easy though. So yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I don't think there's anything else to add to it. No. 
No, I think that's it. And I'm uh, looking forward to playing some of these games again. Awesome. So that wraps the show up for this week. Uh, just as a reminder, catch Swinney and I as we do a live stream of the Sakurai presentation for Kazuya. Uh, so that's on Monday the 28th, uh, just actually like a day after this goes live, so you better catch it really quickly. It's uh, 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern time in the States, uh, 3 p.m. London time, and then midnight for us in Sydney and Melbourne. But with that, bye-bye. See ya. Ciao.